little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, Junior Ambassadors, nerds and nerds of all ages, and welcome to a super episode of the Nerd Editions Podcast. I am your ambassador and host to the Midwest United States, Jared Boots, and uh, with me as always is my Canadian host and ambassador to the great right north of Canada, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, I'm happy to have you as a fellow host. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and for those who need an explanation, Melissa is tired of me calling myself a co-host, <laughs> so she is since I call myself a host. Yes, that's how it should be. If we do, if one of us does the intro, one of us is the host, and the other is the co-host. It's just how it goes. You can't have two co-hosts, because then who's the host? I'd <laughs> uh, say Beetlejuice. He's okay. at least the ghost of the most. Yeah. Or we could say Tyson Jost. <laughs> or we could go down to the Haunted Mansion and pick the ghost host. <laughs> Uh huh. I bet we could probably get Tyson Jost though. Probably. <laughs> the sister's hot. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, she played for the women's team for the U.S. for the Olympics this past year. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. She did. Any hooters? We're not here to talk about hockey. Or are we? (laughs) (laughs) We're here to talk about the bat vigilante of Gotham and all of his super friends. Uh, As you can tell from the title, we are looking back at one year of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And if we have enough time, we will wrap up with some of our thoughts on The Batman by Matt Reeves that came out earlier this month. So, Melissa... We talked off Mike about asking like our history with the film, but since the film's only a year old, we don't really have much history to discuss with it. So how about we talk about our excitement levels? So what was your excitement level going into Zack Snyder's Justice League? Because the fil- I believe, if I read correctly on IMDb, it was announced by Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill on May 20th, 2020, that we were getting his cut of Justice League, and it finally came out March 18th, 2021. So in that time frame, what was your excitement level leading up to that? Oh, I was super excited. Um, it, I, I was... <laughs> I, it was almost a... Really? It's, it's like there was still a sense of disbelief that it was actually going to you know, become a thing. And I was really excited about it. I was really excited to see his vision of what he he wanted 
come to life. And, you know, what we probably would have gotten the first time um, if, you know, the sad circumstances hadn't happened. Um, but, yeah, I was really, really excited for it. I was looking forward to seeing um, come to life and see all these characters. And, yeah, I... I could not wait <laughs> I, I really could not wait for it to to um, be released and, and to finally get to see it um, the only the only thing was like you know didn't obviously didn't get to see it in a theater which I think would have been amazing and I think for speak for all of us I think that we, we all would have really loved to have seen it there but you know at least we got to see it you know on, on uh, streaming so that was really good. And, uh, yeah, I, I could not wait for it to come out. And when it finally did, it was almost like, is this real? Like, pinch me, I'm dreaming. <laughs> like, <am> I... <laughs> it, it was it was kind of emotional, too. Like, finally, you know, his, like, Zack Snyder's vision became a thing. And so, yeah, um Definitely really, really excited for it and curious to see what it was going to be. And what about you, Jared? What was your excitement level going into that? I was beyond stoked. And I could probably honestly admit, I don't think that Justice League had a sour taste in my mouth until, uh, well, at least even more sour taste in my mouth after I saw this film. Um, But yeah, I was fucking excited because after watching Joss Whedon's quote unquote vision of what we got back in 2017 it just I enjoyed parts of it but something just didn't seem right and when it was whispered around that Zack Snyder had a different cut of the film I just I go I want to see this I have to see this and when you hear all the things that we were told about it like oh it ends with Steppenwolf getting beheaded and all this other stuff, like, I want that. I want that. And I remember on uh, last February, 2.14, when the trailer dropped, just being so excited and then being asked to go on our on our friend's Philip Barker show, Superhero Stress, to talk about the trailer. There's all the discussion that me and you and me and Philip and all of us had leading up to it. It was so great. And this is one of the first times in my I remember it being one of the first times in my life I went on a social media um, ban or blackout so I wouldn't get spoiled on it because I didn't watch it the day it came out. I think I watched it came out yeah, it was Friday the 18th and I watched it. No, it came out Thursday the 18th. I watched it on Friday the 19th with my brother. So I stayed mm-hmm. off social media for like two, three days so I didn't get spoiled. That's one of the first times I haven't done that. I've done that ever for a movie. I was so damn happy. I was so damn excited. I could not wait because I love Ben Affleck's Batman. I love Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Go right down the line. I love the entire cast we had. Um, and I fell in love with like uh, Ray Fisher's Cyborg from and Ezra Miller's Flash from um, Joss's version. But I just want so much more of them. So I was just eager to see so much more of this and to finally see the Justice League on screen together. And this is the Justice League movie we deserved. Absolutely. Um, I agree with, you know, seeing the, the which 
I, I I had a good laugh over it earlier today when I was you know making my notes for this and <laughs> I, I'm calling the other one the the, the discount bin Justice League. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to back episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that is not that great is officially discount bin category. So, <laughs> but anyway. Oh, oh, a quick side tangent. I was watching Found Flicks that uh ending explained video on the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Oh, yeah. So guess what? What? They actually filmed a completely different movie before that. And they didn't like how it turned out, so they scrapped everything, started from scratch, and gave us the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that we got. So apparently the one that they filmed originally was worse. <laughs> how could it be worse? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it copied Halloween Resurrection instead of <laughs> instead of Halloween 2018. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh. Anywho. Anyway. <laughs> because you, because you brought up discount bin, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um words um <laughs> uh, but yeah we you know when i first saw the other version of, of justice league um i i thought like when i first saw it i thought it was fine you know like i i enjoyed it for what it was um but then knowing that there was you know this other version of it which was obviously zach's original vision um, you know, I was curious about that and I really wanted to see that. And, you know, for me too, like I, I didn't want to see anything like I have pretty well avoided a lot of other than seeing the trailer for what was to come. That was it. I didn't want to know anything. I didn't want to see anything else. I did my best to avoid a lot of stuff and, you know, I went in totally just blind to it and i think that was the best way to see it but um yeah what i was going to say before was you know i didn't really get into like ezra miller's flash or like especially him i i didn't really get into him you kind of felt like tom holland spider-man in a way like sort of an annoying kid to me and when seeing him in Zack snyder's justice league i absolutely loved him like he he was put into a completely different light and i really really enjoyed his character i thought he was really great like he he had that that wonder about him that excitement that you know uh, like how a lot of us would probably react if we were like with these people like we would just be like whoa this is so cool you know, so he, he kind of was that more relatable character. And, you know, and then I really enjoyed, you know, Cyborg. Like, I, I really, really enjoyed him and his character and his story. It's just so, like, you know, heart-wrenching. And then, you know, you see him grow and it's just, you know, a really great thing. And so it was really nice to see in this one, you know, everybody put into a different light and presented in a really great way than the other one and it was funny i had watched you know 
uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League about seven times <laughs> after the release of it. Like, I was just like, I loved it. And my mom wanted to see the other version. And because she thought she thought she had seen it, but she's like, no, I don't think I had. So she didn't think she, she had. So she I still owned it. And so we watched it. And oh, my God, I could not believe how uh, just <laughs> it was just not good at all. Um, it's essentially Warner Brothers trying to make a Marvel movie. It's why yeah. they brought in. A, that's why they brought in a Marvel guy. Yeah, like it's just you know making making you know Flash more like Spider Man, like with his humor and the whatever and how they cut things together and it's just not good whatsoever. Like I, I yeah, and then since you know everything else, which I'm not going to get into with yeah, uh, the other not- guy. We're, we're, just, we're not, you know. it, it, it's not going to be a, a, a shit on Joss Whedon's Justice no. League. Uh, we're not going to shit on the $6 million they spent to get rid of Henry Cavill's mustache. We're not going to get into the Ray Fisher versus, versus Joss Whedon because I think I speak for Melissa and myself. We both side with Ray Fisher on this. Oh, um, we're not going to get into that. All Joss Whedon is a human being. We're not going to really try to shit on this enough, but we because we definitely prefer this version over what we got in 2017. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it, yeah, the, I had, I had actually read on, on IMDb cause I kind of looked through and you know, that like, yeah, Zack Snyder hasn't seen that other version. And a lot of people were like, you know, like his, his wife and Chris Nolan were like, no, don't see it. And and the, the reasoning was that it would just it would break his heart and I and I think it would um, because it just it wasn't his vision it wasn't what you know he would have ultimately wanted and we see that from from this one where it's completely different from what we saw in 2017 and you know it it's sad that it it didn't you know it, it ultimately hasn't ended in a in a good light but anyway. Um, like, but anyway, yeah. I I said for the longest time that Steppenwolf and Darkseid aren't the biggest villains in the DCEU. It's Warner Brothers. This is true. They they've meddled so much just because BVS didn't make a billion dollars. They had to start sticking their fucking fingers in everything. Lots of great movies don't make a billion dollars. You know what? Captain Marvel made a billion dollars, and that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know it's. It's not about you know, but it's it's the business. It's you know how these these it's it's, it's, black and, it's, it's all black and red, black yeah, and red. Exactly, it's all about the money. Where you know it for for me, I don't care if a movie hasn't made a billion dollars or whatever. It's is it a quality movie? You know, like yes, whatever. Like even like just you know, it doesn't matter to me. It's about the quality of the movie and. It's sad that, you know, Warner Brothers is just, yeah. But anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's move. How about we get into the the film itself? All right. So I I have, uh, so basically what we're going to do, the best way I can think of to break down a four-hour long movie is just to go chapter by chapter and 
talk about some of our favorite moments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we got to talk about the prologue first. How how great is that? Pro- I love that prologue of the reverberation of the death of Superman has all over the world. Yeah, it's yeah, just you know the you know the effective of him and and you know how you know he he made he made his his impact on it and just how yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I got a cat on the keyboard. <laughs> off the keyboard. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um. Yeah, you you totally, you know, you see it's just this this very gloomy, you know, energy. Like it's just. You know, people are very sad about it, and you know, especially, yeah, it's you. Do you definitely see that that he, you know, had an impact on people and and on things, and and when he's gone, it's just you know a lot of a lot of genuine sadness. Well, I was talking about that's a good point too. I was also talking more about the point too of how his final scream reverberates across the country to oh, yeah. across the whole world <laughs> but yeah you also made a good point too yeah but yeah that that is quite incredible yeah so, so we'll go into part one don't count on it batman so what are some of your favorite parts from part one? Oh my goodness <laughs> Um. Well, I, I how about how about you start? <laughs> I'm slightly winging it. <laughs> okay, well, I like we got a much better rendition of uh, Bruce going to find Arthur in Iceland. Um, we don't have the, I hear you talk to fish joke in there anymore, yeah. but, uh, I always joke about that part of the, that scene where, uh, Arthur's getting in the ocean to get ready to swim off and those three women are singing. Mm-hmm. And I always joke that the woman that sniffs his sweater, I'm like at that point in time, she's the envy of every woman across the country right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna get this out of the way now because as soon as I hit play to rewatch it today, watching this film makes me incredibly sad because there's so many great incarnations of this character of these characters that we're only gonna get like one more time if we're lucky in the future so i want to get that out of the way now because i just love ben affleck's batman i know we'll, we'll now we're not going to get it till next year but um mm-hmm. we're only going to get ben affleck's batman one more time which makes me sad we're not going to see jeremy irons as bruce wayne ever again i, I doubt unless he's in the flash also 
if we're lucky, one more incarnation of uh, J.K. Simmons is uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Batgirl. So some, uh, who knows if we're going to see Henry Cavill Superman ever again, too. Or in Ray Fisher as Cyborg. It, so I want to get that out of the way now. That watching this film now just makes me sad, knowing what we know now, that we may never get incarnations of these characters ever again. Yeah. Some we, some we are, obviously, like with Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot and Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. To the ones we're not going to more like they ever see again, that just makes me sad. Anyway, happy things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I thought about that too. That you know, it, it is it is kind of sad that we won't see them again. Because you know, I I also enjoy you know Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman, and you know, it, it is a little bit sad that you 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 know won't get to see them in anything other than this. And but. You know, at least we still get to see these movies. We can watch them as many times as we like and see them and then be that character. So, you know, it's not like it's, you know, completely gone, right? So. I just watched the film, so I'm trying to remember what alls and what which scenes are in which part of the film. Yeah, that's where, where I'm going to be. Um <laughs> <laughs> I may scramble things up a little bit because there's just there is so much to cover. But yeah, I, I really like you know in the in the beginning where you know you see that you know Bruce is really making the effort to you know he he's really you know wanting to get this group together and you know have a group that's going to make you know a change and. You know, obviously there's, you know, the enemy coming and so they got to prepare for it. And, you know, you see kind of really how passionate he is about it. And, you know, his you know initial in- interaction with um, with Arthur is, you know, sort of what you kind of come to expect. Because Arthur's very much just he, he he's very much likes to do things sort of himself like he keeps to himself a lot and he he's not so much so much somebody who's gonna sort of you know obviously he he joins up and he warms up to it but initially he's he's very sort of just no i'm not gonna do this i'm not you know so uh you know it's a and and i love how he you know like arthur he's you know sort of part of this community like he he you know, contributes to, he helps them out during the sort of the harder months and like he, he cares about this, you know, little group of people. And um, yeah, so like, I really like that too. And, you know, I, I do enjoy, you know, when, when, you know, Bruce comes back and, and Alfred's like, you know, can we, you know, find, find him some, somewhere warmer? <laughs> I hear Costa Rica's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel that. <laughs> it has to be someplace cold. Like, what, what the heck? <laughs> I, I do love that. It's a great portrayal of how Arthur just... I'll, it's not only probably just this particular village that he takes care of, but it's just anywhere that 
relies on the ocean to do their business. How we get it later on, I want to say probably part two or three where he saves that, that uh, sailor that goes over when his ship gets taken over by the storm and he saves that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love how, you know, Arthur, he's got this, this, you know, on the outside, he's trying, he's kind of, you know, Mr. I don't care, Mr. Whatever. And, but on the inside, like he, he's got, he's got a heart, like he cares. And you see that through, you know, helping the, that little village and saving the, the, the guy who, the fishing boat and, you know, so you see that, like he he cares, but he he doesn't like to, you know, kind of outwardly show it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. There's somewhat. Is the the Seven Wolves fight with the Amazons in part one, or is Diana saving the kids in part one? Diana saving the kids. That's that's another good scene too, and that's much. That's given. Um, it's done a lot better in this uh, version too. Everything in this version is done better than it was in 2017. Um, yeah, I, I still always love that. It shows Diana getting out in there more, being more the hero that uh, she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a uh, I read on IMDb that there's speculations that one of the last girls that she picks up. They ask her. They ask if that's supposed to be like Wonder Girl. Must be some reason because they hold on her more than the other kids. So yeah, exactly. But I guess we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, thanks, maybe. Warner Brothers. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but or could it just been that you know that you know like Diana noticed her and you know gave her that little bit extra attention and you know and she said you know I want to you know. Um, be like you and you know yeah you can be anything you like you know and just shows how Diana's just encouraging and she's you know she's good she's absolutely going to encourage that that you can be whatever you want to be you don't have to be you know anything else and um, you know I, I really love that and it just shows her compassion too that you know she has a lot of compassion for people and for helping and and you see that like she's out doing these things and and saving people and you know not really you know definitely not keeping to herself and ignoring the world that she's out there you know doing her bit and uh and that whole scene is just badass (laughs) she just like busts through the door and (laughs) you know I did love her super speed um, blocking all the bullets too, because it's almost like a it's almost a callback to the No Man's Land sequence of uh, the first Wonder Woman film. Yeah, almost. Yeah, that scene is very cool. She's just like blocking all of them. Yeah, it it is kind of. Any other favorite moments from Part One? Don't count on it, Batman. Uh, I think that was I think that was it for me. Those ones are, are always good ones. 
Then we'll move on to part two, The Age of Heroes. Uh, this is the one with the fight with the Amazons and Steppenwolf, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Yeah, so this, was one of the, this is so, one of the better action sequences of the whole film. Yeah. And it... Oh, no, wait. No, I'm, it's too early. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting scrambled. I'm like, no, this is like with the with the Flash, right? I'm like, no, wait, that's... The yeah, I, believe, I believe that's part... I believe that's part three. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> I think one of the stats of this one is we get uh, the fight with the Amazons and the Seven Wolf, which Seven Wolf is just brutal. He's laying Amazons to waste in this. Yeah. But I, I really love... When you know the the sort of the battle is about to start, and you know the oh oh my goodness the the leader of the of the group what's her name I'm blanking oh Hippolyta uh, yeah her when she's like you know show him your fear and everybody's like we have no fear it's like oh my god i that's one of my favorite like favorite lines and just favorite sort of moments where it's like no they're gonna you know ultimately it it doesn't you know end well but they are willing to fight they are willing to you know sacrifice themselves and and you know no we're we're not you know, bowing down to you. It's like, screw you, buddy. We're gonna try and kick your ass. <laughs> it would suck to be one of the Amazons that gets stuck just watching that box for five thousand years. Like, I hope they take shifts because that would be a boring job for five thousand years just to sit and watch that box. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, like, kind of you gotta do, but my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up a good point. That is a badass scene where Queen Apolta says, show them your fear, and everybody responds, we have no fear. That is a badass. And Seven Wolf takes his licks, not just from the end, but he takes his licks in the whole film. He does. He really does. As much as he's initially, you know, very much kind of indestructible, he definitely... You know, he, he takes some damage. And then we, all, we also get the history lesson in this section, too. Mm-hmm. And somebody who takes damage is, boy, does uh, Darkseid take some damage during the history lesson, too. Mm-hmm. I I know he's not called Darkseid in that part. I cannot pronounce what he's called, so I'm just going to call him Young Darkseid. Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> he takes he takes some damage from uh, Ares's uh, axe there, and just gets laid to waste before he gets hauled off away. But I, I do love the history lesson um, mm-hmm. of this one. Yeah, I, I really like that in the, in this one. Like you get that that history lesson, those explanations, especially like I mean, for me personally, who isn't so you know well versed with you know even at the time like i know them a little bit more now like 
you know, Darkseid and, and Steppenwolf and, and Desaad and all that. Like, I know them a lot more now. Um, but to really kind of get to know the, you know, the story and these characters, and it, I really like that because then I learned, you know, something. And um, really cool, you know, learning about these, these characters, and you know, from the beginning to now. Yeah, so how, what was your reaction when you found out that you got all these badass names like Steppenwolf, Desaad, and Darkseid, and then you got Granny Goodness? No. I'm going to ask, you know what? I'm going to ask the question without adding the other word that I was going to add into there, the question. <laughs> now, Granny Goodness, who is that? She was the old, the almost human-looking lady that was standing on Darkseid's side oh. in this film. Okay. That's Granny Goodness. Okay. I believe she's also been featured in... Uh, well, I know Darkseid's been featured in the Harley Quinn animated series. I also believe Granny Goodness was featured in it, too. But we were supposed to get her and a bunch of other characters in the New Gods film, but Warner Brothers has since canceled that film, so... Yeah, Granny Goodness, she's the other person that appears along with Darkseid and Desaad on Apocalypse in this film. Okay. Okay, that's... She's she's like an older looking... She's more humanoid looking than than the others are. She's the one carrying like the giant staff and everything, so you you can't miss her. Yeah. But I, I think one of my favorite parts, though, of the history lesson has to be the Green Lantern ring. Like the fact that we get mentions of Green Lanterns in this. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Uh, I can't remember the name of the lantern that's in this one either. That gets uh, killed during the scene. But I do like... Uh, like Darkseid lays that Green Lantern to waste too. I mean, it cuts his hand off and the ring goes flying away. Mm-hmm. And I like Darkseid trying to catch the ring too. Like <laughs> just, a, just a what if... Because the ring, the ring goes to the next person who's worthy of it. But um, but what if Darkseid had a Green Lantern ring? I, I doubt he would. He would either be a Red Lantern or a Yellow Lantern, obviously. But um, or maybe even an Orange Lantern. I bet. But what if like Darkseid got the Green Lantern ring? <laughs> yeah. If it, yeah. if just anybody, if just anybody could grab him. I was going to say, like, what if it wasn't a case of, you know, the next person worthy of it gets it? Like, what if that wasn't a thing? (laughs) You know, he could pick it up and it's, you know, he has this, you know, powerful thing. It's that that's a. (laughs) But it's an interesting thing to describe on to describe how the Green Lantern rings work, the successor for the Green Lantern works in nerdy terms, it's like Harry Potter. The wand chooses the wizard. The ring chooses the next bear. <laughs> okay. See, I'm I'm still very much learning these things and these characters, so it, it helps me figure this. Out. So yeah, so when, yeah. when when one lantern dies, their ring goes to the next. Uh, person worthy hence why Hal Jordan got Abin Sir's um, 
ring because he was the next person worthy enough. Okay. Because when I originally saw this film, I thought it was Admin Sir that died, but then 5,000 years would be too much for uh, for Hal Jordan to be next. Mm. So I thought maybe it could have been the guy, the the lantern who preceded um, Admin Sir, because I'm assuming since they fought on Earth, that it'd still be in Sector 2814, which was Hal Jordan's sector. Look at me. I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought maybe if it wasn't Evan Sir, that it could have at least been the predecessor to Evan Sir. Okay, maybe. If it works a little bit more than that that timeline, it would make probably make more sense. If it was before... Uh, but yeah, it, it would probably make sense if it was. It would be somebody before those two characters came about, just in in timelines and, and things like that. So, yeah. Well, that being said, Queen Apalta looks good for her age. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was thinking. The history lesson was one of my favorite segments of that film, of this part. Um, yeah. That and the fight with Amazon and Steppenwolf. And I'll throw it out there now. This is a four-hour and two-minute long movie, so if we got if we get things flip-flopped, cut us a little bit of slack, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is a lot to cover in that, and um, I think we we I thought we were I wasn't sure how we were going to structure this, so. Um, for my notes are a little bit more sort of general. So if if I happen to forget things or flip flop, it's like, well, there's there's so much to this movie. So <laughs> there's there's a ton, and I was even wondering how we're gonna break it all down. And um, yeah, so the best thing I could think of was just, oh, we'll go chapter by chapter and talk about our favorite things. Yeah, it's like yeah. the easiest thing to do. Yeah. It's small chunks of things, so it's you know not so bad. But but yeah, that those I, I yeah I really enjoyed the that history lesson, and then yeah the the Amazon scene was just very cool. Oh, we did skip over one thing in uh, part one, and that was the, the Zack Snyder cameo. Ah uh, yes, which took me forever to finally spot the man. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's not he's not fully in the shot. You have to I know, like, look you at an angle. Look with your freaking eyes. You can see him. And like I when I watched it for, you know, before doing this, this episode, I saw him. I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> it's like when I watched Psycho last week for the umpteenth million time. Like, oh, there's Alfred Hitchcock in the cowboy hat. <laughs> like. <laughs> well that is him because in the birds this cameo is a lot more apparent <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. so we did of... gloss over the Zack Snyder cameo yes <clears throat> anything else with um, the age of heroes Uh, I think that's about it, really. All right. Then 
Oh, go ahead. There's probably a lot more, but let's we can go on to the next one. Well, we all know the magical stop record button is going to make everything come back to us. <laughs> of course it will. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. It's three in the morning. Oh, damn it. Why didn't I mention that? Happens every time. Yep. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Uh, so moving on to part three, beloved mother, beloved son, which I believe this is the part you talked about on Phil's show, Superhero Stress. I did, yes. So yeah. I will turn it over to you. <laughs> yeah, um, it, that, it, it was a, a fun conversation with Phil up on this one, and it was something where I. I, I may or may not have called Aquaman a wet dishcloth. <laughs> uh, was it damp dishcloth? No, or no, limp dishcloth. That's what limp it was. dishcloth. Yeah. Limp dishcloth. <laughs> yeah, you, you broke Philip on that one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think he broke me too on it when I was listening to it. <laughs> Yeah, in his fight, whatever, that other limp dishcloth, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is this is one of my, I think, my favorite parts of the film. Um, I really love Cyborg's story. Um, it's such a you know, it's 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 a very emotional story. Like it's you know what he what he goes through and um you know just his his always his looking for you know his father's approval, his father to be proud of him and his achievements and you know how like yeah he's he's obviously he's older and he you know understands things, but you know how aware he is of like his mother always using the same line of oh he got held up at the lab and well he's always held up at the lab you know it's obviously been a been something she's always told him and now him being older he's aware of it and he's sort of like yeah you've said this a lot of times and you know so he's he's always sort of looking for that and it's it's so heart-wrenching when you know he the, the football game he you know they win and he's looking for his father and his father isn't there and you know then obviously what you know happens after but yeah it's it's such a you know gut-wrenching story um but i really like it i i really like you know getting to know this character and and what he went through and you know and then seeing his his growth as as a character and as you know where where he was and now you know see him grow in into this sort of new version of himself you know that it, his father wasn't willing to you know lose his son like he he already lost his wife he's not losing his son and you know i think cyborg he finally victor he finally comes to terms like this is you know what his father did was a good thing you know he saved him and now he gets kind of a new chance at at life and you know it's you know a little different for him but 
you know, you see his growth from from where he was to to now, and it's yeah. And and then this is also, um, you know, I really loved, um, you know, all, everything with with uh, Barry Allen and and seeing him, and it's just the most beautiful scene ever when he's saving Iris, like. You know, understanding that, well, he's, you know, moving faster. So he has to, like, intentionally, like, with intent, move her and, like, fold in her arms and just carefully move her. And just that whole scene is just so beautifully done. And, you know, I I do love at the beginning that, oh, you know, it's the sign for Central City and then it pans over and, reduced speed ahead it's like ha Mm. (laughs) that's funny (laughs) but uh yeah this this whole segment is probably one of my my favorites you know watching it today was probably the first time i noticed that barry has lightning bolts on his tennis shoes really yeah so when he when he turns inside the dog grooming place to mm-hmm. turn to run out the door, he's got lightning bolts on his sneakers. Yeah, it's well, it's such a quick thing, right? Because he turns and then. Uh, that's what you did like, there. What? Such a quick thing, the flash. Oh. <laughs> I, that was totally unintentional. Clearly, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually rewound it to see if he's got lightning bolts on his shoes. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I want a pair of shoes like that now. Right? <laughs> It'd be like, you know, when, when you know, you're a kid or even kids now, you know, they have their pair of shoes. Oh, they make me run fast. You know, look at, I look how run how fast I can run in my new shoes. It's like that would be us and a lightning bolt, you know. Spoiler alert, nobody asks you that when you're an adult, though. No, which is really sad. Bullshit. <laughs> it's absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> These are but, uh, questions, people. <laughs> but enough of stealing our humor from memes on the internet. <laughs> uh, you said it perfectly, uh that scene is crafted beautifully. Uh, you and Philip have both hammered a home while he does have to move her precisely. Otherwise, he could quite literally snap her neck if he moved the wrong thing the wrong way or if he didn't get through the glass of the shop the right way. He could injure dogs or the owner or pass her by on the sidewalk. But I'm actually kind of uh, intrigued that... He didn't take the time to put his costume on, so he was brave enough to do that without covering his identity at all. Right. Which I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get more of her in the Flash film next year. God, even just saying next year with the Flash film just makes me sad. Because we were, what, eight months away from getting it. Now right. it's another, what, June of next year? Yeah. June or July of next year now? Fuck. I, think, I want to say June. But yeah, that that really bummed me out when I saw that. 
my god, I'm I'm so excited for that movie. I oh I'm I'm really excited. Just just to see more of, of Ezra Miller's flash and what he's gonna do in that film. Like I'm I'm really excited for that. But <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to do another year for more of Ben Affleck Batman and Michael Keaton Batman and mm-hmm. all good stuff. But yeah. and I and I going back to your point about the cyborg stuff too. To prevent a bad pun, it was nice to see that his character was done more justice in this edition. Like Zack Snyder said, cyborg is the heart of the film, and he definitely is in this in this rendition absolutely he is like he 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 definitely plays a big part in this film um you know i i think he i, I really love seeing you know a lot, you definitely see a lot more of him in this film of course you really give him you know the spotlight because he he yeah he he's very much the heart of it like he i i think you know, he's got the most sort of powerful story, you know, because he, you know, nearly died. And then he, you know, his father saved him and, you know, built him, built him back up, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, his, yeah, it's, maybe that's what powerful, but profound, I think, is, is the word I was looking for. Um but yeah, it's you know he he definitely plays a big part and it's yeah such a good story like it you know yeah. Well, you get quite the journey of him trying to figure out his life from where he is now. Yeah, he starts off brooding in the in the apartment with his father, but then it's more of a journey of him discovering what he's capable of. And of the six members of the Justice League in this film, he is one of the key factors besides Superman at the end there. But without Cyborg, you do not separate the mother boxes. Yeah. So he he definitely, you know, he has a, a huge part to play in it. He's, you know, yeah, you, you couldn't do that without him. So, you know, you need the, you, you definitely needed him. And, and yeah, it's you know he you know it's presented in such a and I mean Ray Fisher he did such a great job with this character where he's you know he's frustrated he's angry he's you know probably thinking like a why me you know in, in somebody you know being in such in a you know in an accident and you know his mother died and he's probably thinking like you know why me. You know, why, why am I still here? Like, why couldn't have, you know, maybe even the, so far as to say, like, why couldn't it have been me instead of my mother? Like, you know, probably there's a lot of things going on in his mind of, you know, and then also then coming to terms with his new life and how he's going to do it. And I really love, you know, when he's he's listening to the, the recording that his father did and, you know, and I really do enjoy that that line where you know if you can't, um, you know you can't look at me, well maybe you'll listen. And you know he puts the the tape player on the 
table and, and walks out and you know and he's listening to it and, and how you know his you know it, it's funny how at the end like you know okay i'm done talking as a scientist i'm going to talk as a father well i think he's still sort of talking as a father in that part too because he's telling him you know what he did and you know then there's talking of his potential you know that he's got all this this potential and this power and you know it's how you use it is going to determine you know your future and where you're going to go and and i think you know that definitely helps him you know come to terms with with how he is now and how his life is going to be and and you know we definitely see that he's he's going to be good he's not going to be you know the bad person he's going to make good choices and especially when you know, he helps out that waitress and, you know, oh, she won a grand prize thing and it's like, you know, changes her life and, you know, in a positive way. It's like, yeah, he's he's going to be good. You know, he he's got all this at, at his fingertips, literally, but he's not going to because that's not him. You know, he he definitely stays true to himself, you know, and somebody who's willing to help somebody who's who's there for others and. You know, just because he's now a more, you know, cyborg than sort of human, he still has heart. Like, he still cares. He's still human. You know, he may not look completely human, but he is. And you definitely show that, like, see that through his actions and his growth from where he started to where he's at. And it was all set up from his mother. Um, talking to the dean of Gotham City University when he hacked into the school system and changed her grade on a test. Mm-hmm. And his mother defends him and says, well, he's got a good heart. She lost her family this week. What did you do? He did this because he's, he's got a good heart. What did you do for her? Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, you know, he he's, you know, a very good person and someone who's, like I said, like willing to help and, yeah, it's totally set up that way, and it continues, and it's really cool. Anything else? So I'm trying to remember. It's part three where he battles the seven wolf battles the Atlanteans. I yes. Yeah, because it was, yeah, the 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 limit came in later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, where where he's there. More and more shots of him taking his licks. Yeah, and and definitely he does. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> like like I said, he may be you know seem like he's indestructible but like he can take damage and he he definitely does and he he you know aquaman gives him a run for his money <laughs> well uh, another thing we're not going to get into the personal life of is amber heard um thoughts and opinions aside amber heard's mara is a badass in this when she starts to suck the water or the moisture out of his face yeah yeah, like that. Yeah, definitely that that character is. Yeah, and in that moment, that's really cool. 
But if nothing else, we can move on to part four, change machine. Yeah. I think we're... Um, actually, in the... No, never mind. Anyway, I'm scrambling things again. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, change machine is essentially what everybody brought together. Now, uh, the rescue of... Uh, Silas Stone and other members of Star Labs in Gotham City. Um, we get our great J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon in this section. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one year, I could tell you were watching the film the other night when you get to Hi Barry, I'm Diana. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I should I should have commented on your post. That's not right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I believe we'd all act like that if we met Gal Gadot in real life. Oh. Hi, Gal. Hi, Jared. Hi, Jared. I'm Gal. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> or, or, no, it'd be... It'd be <laughs> yeah, there would be no words. It would just be, uh. <laughs> at least, at least Barry has got you know courage to be like to say hi, even if it's wrong. <laughs> Order of names. <laughs> uh, any uh, favorite moments from uh, Change Machine? I re- I really like when um Bruce finally he finds Barry and Barry comes back to to where he lives and and he's sitting there and he's like well, why are you you know it doesn't answer why you're sitting in my second favorite chair. <laughs> and, and, you know, Bruce is always looking at his suit, whatever. And, oh, it's made of, you know, all these materials. And, and oh, I, I'm in competitive ice dancing. Oh, but it's this. Very competitive ice dancing. <laughs> this is what they put on the space shuttles to keep from burning up on reentry. <laughs> I, I love that whole interaction, and then finally, you know, he throws the 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 um. Oh my goodness, the the thing I, yeah, <laughs> thinking on names. Anyway, throws the thing at him, and then he, you know, catches it, and oh, you're, you know, you're, you are, and okay, so it kind of changes, and how immediately, you know, Barry's like, I'm in. You know, don't even need a long-winded explanation of, of why you're here or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm in. And, and I, you know, I, I do love the, the line, you know, I need friends. And, you know, I, I think he does. Like, he's, you know, he's very much, you know, on his own with his, his powers and what he, he does. And so, you know, to have people that are sort of, you know, 
with him on the, on that level of you know they'll they'll understand and they're not going to look at them sideways. They're going to be like, okay, this is you know who you are and what you do. And uh, yeah, and then I, I I do love after when they're leaving and you know I'm a, a snack hole, <laughs> a black hole of snacks. <laughs> That was funny. <laughs> what I like about this part, especially uh, particularly when they go into the rescue of uh, all the Star Lab employees, is that Barry serves a better purpose than I just push people and run away. He actually serves more of a purpose. He saves the debris from falling on the hostages once they get him out of the building. Um, of course, we keep Diana, him tipping the sword back to Diana. But I like he serves a better purpose in this. Yeah. Like you said at the beginning of the episode, how he's less like Tom Holland's Spider-Man, like how he was in the Justice cut. Yeah. He's he's definitely he's got that that wonder, that genuine wonder, that genuine excitement, that curiosity, but. It's not that sort of over the top that it was shown in the other one, where it's just it's a, too much. And you know, it definitely, yeah, he he serves that better purpose, and you know, makes him a little more meaningful of character. Him and Cyborg both play a bigger role in this entire f- version of the film. Absolutely. Because we established the, the speed force in this, and. Barry's ability to travel in time when he goes fast enough. Mm. All great parts. And like I said, I love J.K. Simmons's version of uh, Commissioner Gordon, and I'm excited we're getting more of him this year in uh, the Batgirl film coming mm. this year because I think he was like another person that was like really shortchanged. And how much time he got in the role. Because he looks like Commissioner Gordon from the comics all that stuff. And I think he did a great job. He didn't get enough to do in this film. I wish he'd gotten more to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he he made a great uh, Commissioner Gordon. Like, I, I, I enjoyed him for the time that we, we had him in it. And um, it's it's very cool that he's going to continue that in the in the other film, too. Because we, we definitely need more of him. I think he... he brings that that character to life very well and and yeah like how kind of he he looks like you know the character in the comic and you know yeah i'm i really enjoyed his his uh, iteration of that character trying to figure out what else we get in this film in this section but i believe we also get the, the discussion Aquaman joins the fight finally, and then we also get the discussion that Superman has to be brought back to life. Yes. I love that projection of Superman on top of the mother box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we're all thinking it, but I, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and then Cyborg projects the image on, on the thing. And yeah, I really like that too. I thought that's really cool. And I think one of the best things about this film, other than like the much more improved um, involvement of Cyborg and the Flash, 
is that we're not getting that forced um, resistance between Diana and Bruce. Mm-hmm. Or Bruce is just purposely being a dick to Wonder Woman in the Justice League cut where he's like, oh, did Steve Trevor tell you that? All that shit. Just trying to push her to become a hero. I love how we do not have any of that in this film. Yeah. It's, everybody's, it's, everybody's, I love how everybody's on the same page. This is what has to be done. We need to bring him back. We need Superman. Yeah. And, I, and I love that, you know, when like Diana, she, you know, initially like, okay, I'm going to go meet, you know, like she, she was going to meet with Cyborg and then, okay, you can go meet with Barry. And, you know, I, I love that she, you know, she was the perfect person to meet with with Cyborg and like with Victor, because she could connect with him on that level, right? And you know, it ultimately it doesn't really, you know, he's he's not immediately in, but you know, they still had that sort of meaningful interaction, and of course he, you know, eventually comes in and joins. But I, I really love that, you know, that that. You know, she has that level of compassion and, and that sort of relatability with him that, you know, she was definitely the perfect person to go and and talk to him. She's all about love, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do love to like when, you know, like Diana, she's making tea. And and Alfred's like, oh, this, this going like guiding her through the steps of <laughs> making tea. <laughs> I love that. Jeremy Irons was a great Alfred. Oh, absolutely. I really enjoyed him. I think I love how he, you know, we see him. He's, you know, like fixing things. He's testing out things. You know, all the thing, whatever. And and he just. Yeah, he, he he definitely has a heart, and I I really love the interaction when you know everybody comes into you know the the, the Batcave and you know oh the, like and I love how like Bruce introduces him like oh I work for I work for him like this is oh, Alfred the, uh, yeah that's in part five but, oh yeah, shit I get you saying yeah I'm scrambling myself again but anyway yeah that's it's after Superman comes back to life okay <laughs> I won't I won't stop there <laughs> oh, oh no worries. Oh, I, I see what you get. I, I know you were talking about the relationship between or this performance of Jeremy Irons as Alfred and the relationship he has with Bruce. Yeah. I get you're saying like seeing him work on the uh, Bruce's gauntlets to be able to uh, what's the term I'm thinking of? Like I want to say deflect, but able to to take the a blast from an alien weapon. Yeah, to to, to withstand it. It can it can definitely you know yeah I think deflect is a good one because it's you know it's it's being strong enough to withstand it and then like deflect that stuff. Every every Alfred throughout the course of Batman films has, has had their perks and Jeremy Irons his uh, Alfred is very hands on tech wise with Batman. Yeah. Able to control the the crawler from. Uh, from the man, from the compound, from the headquarters, and all that stuff. So, able, we see him in BVS messing with the voice modulator, and then messing with the gauntlets in this one. So we know he's very hands-on and techie. Mm-hmm. 
Which that is was really the cool. one thing like his his Bruce. His, eh, sorry, that was the one thing that his Alfred brought to the table. Yeah, and that that was neat. Like, you know, I all the these different iterations of Alfred have been all great. Like, I, I there isn't one that I I don't like. Um, but it's really cool, like especially this one being so like very much involved and hands on and you know with the tech and everything and guiding him through the different things that they do and you know it's it's he you know he's more than just you know the, the butler type right you know he's he's a lot more than that and i and i think that's really cool to see so if nothing else i think we move on to part five yeah let's do it so part five is all the king's horses. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one I got to be on Philip's show for to talk about because this is, I think this is probably one of my favorite parts in the whole film. Yeah, because you can you can start off the the conversation about this part because I know it's your your favorite part. Okay. Well, I think hands down probably my favorite part in this whole film comes in this part, and that's the fight at Heroes Park between Superman, the resurrected Superman, and the Justice League. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Um, I love how we got less jokes in it, like Pet Cemetery, or uh, one of my favorite things that carried over from Joss Whedon cut was when the four of them are standing off with. Uh, Clark and Barry tries to run around Superman and uh, Superman is able to turn around and see Barry coming up behind him in the speed force and able to take out Barry and all four of them at one time. I love the blows between Diana and Superman, the headbutts back and forth, which say, don't make me do this when she's getting ready to clang her gauntlets together. Um, I love I love how Superman survey uh, sizing them up too before he uh, starts fighting them or starts scanning them or he starts scanning them before they start fighting and I always wonder if Cyborg if his uh, systems didn't pick up on a threat would Clark have attacked them if uh, Cyborg didn't shoot at him probably not because they wouldn't look like a threat. Because that's ultimately what sparked it, right? Was his cyborg systems reacting to him and reacting that, oh, well, this is not a good person, this is an enemy, and automatically, you know, going to try and take him out. And from that, he's, you know, he's threatened. And so, oh, this isn't good. I got to, you know, deal with you people because you obviously are a threat to me. So, I yeah, I don't think if if that hadn't happened, I don't think they would so much be having that battle. Just a random thought I, that pops in my yeah. head every time I watch this scene. But I do I do love the scene at Heroes Park, the fight between Clark and the, the Justice League. Uh, and one of my favorite memes to share, and I hope it pops up my memories here soon on Facebook. Is that meme of Arthur pointing at Barry after yes. Barry takes him out? Because <laughs> last year when the Justice League, when this when Zack Snyder's cut came out, there was a meme of Arthur pointing at Barry and it said the fans, and then Warner Brothers, I am so sorry. 
<laughs> Perfect. If it pops in my memories this year, you best believe I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it every fucking year. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to love it, it every year. <laughs> to rub it in Warner Brothers' stupid faces that they fucked up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I, I do love that that moment though, where you know Barry looks over at at Arthur and he just <laughs> he doesn't say anything. He just looks at him and just points. <laughs> I do love that interaction. <laughs> I do also love that we get the right before that we get the. Um, I do love the. Victor's vision of the deaths of Diana and Arthur and uh, Superman laying waste to the rest of the Justice League with the anti-life equation and everything. Mm-hmm. Which I believe they, everybody says we see Kilowog dead in this scene from the Green Lantern Corps. Um, I've seen this film a handful of times. I still don't see Kilowog. I think the first time I saw it, I, believe, I thought it was Tomar Ray. Another Green Lantern. See, this is why I'm single because I can just throw out these Green Lantern, these alien names like the drop of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm learning because <laughs> I'm just interested in this stuff. Every other every other girl in the world is scoffing right now, except for Melissa. She's taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking. I, I got. I got my pen ready. I'm taking notes. <laughs> no more right. Is that with one R or two R's? <laughs> 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 Every other girl in the world's like, oh my god. <laughs> like, what? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> I, I do love I, I I do love that vision of uh Darkseid looking on the on the death of Diana, her getting her essentially like a Viking funeral. Mm-hmm. I love him killing like well, I don't love it, but I love the scene of him like killing Arthur and the Omega Beam shooting out of his eyes to take out another Atlantean. Mm. Um, the shots of evil Superman. Um, all that's so good. And I also, I don't think I get talked about enough, what the unspoken bond between uh, Victor and Silas when they're getting ready to head into the ship. When... Uh, Cyborg is able to trip the alarm and say the biohazard warning and Silas is trying to clear it as a false alarm. Then he sees um, Cyborg and everybody heading towards the ship and he just knows. They just don't have to say anything. He just knows what's going on there. It's on the same page. Yeah. Like it's just that, that knowing glance. Uh, you know, didn't have to say anything. It was just, oh, yeah, that we can't. Nobody can come in. It's, you know. And how just smoothly that goes, like that. It's such a good, good part. And I think we get another fixed plot hole in this, with uh, Silas sacrificing himself by heating the mother box before he sacrifices himself, and Steppenwolf takes it away, so he's able to heat the core of the mother box, so they're able to find it on Bruce's uh, satellites, which he has six of. <laughs> How many do you, I have six of them. <laughs> you have a satellite? I have six. six. 
So I think it's another. It's just a major. I think that's a plot hole that got fixed with this. Is like, you had to, I, I don't remember because I hadn't seen Justice League in so long. How they were able to find the mother boxes and and well, since it's supposed to be Ukraine, um, it's based off of Ukraine. But um, I don't remember how they were able to find the boxes there. But having Silas sacrifice himself by heating the core of the box so they were able to track it makes so much sense. Mm. And yeah. it comes back to because I believe I think it's in part four. Barry asks, "Do flamethrowers not exist? Why can't we just torch it?" And Cyborg says, "Well, you can't. It absorbs heat." Mm. Yeah, the flamethrower won't, won't do anything to it. Silas Stone is another unsung hero of this film. Absolutely. It wasn't for him, Victor would be able to know his full potential of his of his abilities, and Justice League wouldn't be able to track down where the mother boxes were after uh, Seven Wolf claimed them all. Mm. Like he he definitely, you know, he he recognized that this is what needed to happen. Like he knew and he helped them, and ultimately, yeah, he had to sacrifice himself, but he was willing to do that in order to you know, help them and, you know, ultimately get, you know, get this thing done um, and get them out of that, you know, the situation. But, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely, you know, and, and how, you know, he's he's sort of seen as, you know, like the, the uncaring father and, and that, but he is. Like, he, he definitely, I feel like, he kind of gets his redemption. Like you, you see him as somebody who isn't, wasn't really there for his son. He wasn't there, but then at the end of it, you know, he gets his redemption out of, you know, the, like you, like the recording and then, you know, him heating up the core and, you know, sacrificing himself. Like, I think that was the big thing. And then also just, you know, having that knowing glance with his son, like, okay, like, I know what you're going to do, and, okay, I'm going to play along and whatever. Um, I, I think it, it, he kind of gets that, that redemption where, it's, yeah, he's, he's a good man. Like, he's not somebody who, you know, doesn't care. He does, and he definitely shows that. Well, it's almost going to the trope of the overworking father, that used to be portrayed a lot in like 80s and 90s films, the father that works too much and never there. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me, I believe it was brought up on our friend Lisa show. I love that movie when they talked about Jingle All the Way this year. Mm-hmm. How Arnold being the overworking father is so so vilified, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's such a thing too that yeah, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, this the overworked father is the villain. Where in this one, it he's not. He's he's given well, heart. I, I, I think it. I think it is a little bit. Uh, yeah. A little bit because you know Victor has some of that resentment. Yeah. That is that his father's never there for him, but. Yeah, but it seems like the overworked father is played such a villain character, but you don't really see it a lot anymore. No. No, you definitely don't. But yeah, it is, I guess yeah, like it is a little bit in this one, but it's it's not 
something that that lasts like it's not you know the main focus like they kind of they allow that that growth of the character and you know give him that that redemption um do you have any favorite parts in all the king's horses i think yeah in this part oh oh, oh no wait never mind (laughs) jumping ahead here um yeah, no, I, I think we've, we've pretty well covered it. Like, it's another, you know, yet, yet another good sequence with all the characters and them finally, you know, coming together and, you know, yeah. All right. So moving on to part six, something darker. Go ahead, Melissa. Any favorite parts and something darker? Or were you skipping so far that you're talking about the credits? <laughs> <laughs> I really love it when the names came up on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and a slow crawl. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you started off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love the stuff with Superman on his ship. Mm. Um, when you have both Russell Crowe's uh, Jor-El and uh, Kevin Costner's uh, Jonathan Kent talking to him at the same time, talking him through, and I I'm a huge fan of the black suit. I love black suit Superman. So I love that whole sequence of him on his old suit, on his old ship, getting the words of wisdom from his two fathers, and then um, going up in this orbit in the sun to charge up, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> I also love to regenerate. I should say, since the black suit is the regeneration suit, uh, to regenerate his powers underneath the Earth's yellow sun. But I love, 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 love. When he joins the fight against Steppenwolf, it's such a badass fight. And um, like I we talked about in the excitement for the uh, in the excitement for the anticipation of this film coming out, when I heard like, oh, it ended with Steppenwolf getting his head cut off. That was a great ending so with the boom tube starting to open to Apocalypse, and you see. Desaad and Darkseid and Granny Goodness standing there and Seven Wolf's head comes rolling through there and he just steps on it and crushes it. Mm-hmm. Such a great scene. I like I love like we got we finally got to see Superman's frost breath when he freezes the axe. Yeah. I love when he, he stops Cyborg from getting uh axe in the back and does the not impressed. Yeah. That is one of my favorite parts. Like he just comes not impressed. And then Frost breaths to the thing. He takes out the axe and then he, um, I think he he laser visions uh, one of the sides or no one of uh, Seminole's horns off. Yeah. Like Superman just beats the ever living shit out of Steppenwolf. <laughs> well, it's you know when you're thinking back when they were talking about you know when you know when Superman died, this is when they finally they came out right that things started to happen because 
you know, they know that, you know, Superman's alive, shit is going down. He tells the Sa there's no lanterns and no Kryptonian here. Yeah. I wonder what this would have been like if we would have gotten because Zack Snyder wanted um, John Stewart Green Lantern in this, but Warner Brothers told him no. Uh, that they were going to do John Stewart for their own thing and didn't want anything getting spoiled or whatever. So I wonder, I wonder if John Stewart would have played a bigger role in this film had Zack Snyder been allowed to use him. Because we don't, we do get Martian Manhunter in his place, but we don't get much of him. No. I think so. I think, you know, given the opportunity to be able to have that character involved, I think he he would have been a part of it and and you know definitely played a role in the in everything. Well, I'm curious to see. What the approach would have been, because Darkseid laid waste to that Green Lantern in the history lesson quite easily. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder. I'm a huge Green Lantern fan. So it make, and makes me wonder what kind of threat do the lanterns pose to Apocalypse? Yeah. So, so Wolf was warning Apocalypse that there is no lanterns here, but dark side was able to lay waste to one quite easily it mm-hmm. makes me wonder i guess yeah yeah i don't know just like you know if, if he had more of a part like would he you know would they have been as intimidated by him like as they do as they i, I feel like they are like by superman you know, especially, you know, based off of, you know, he's gone while well, they're going to, you know, start doing things because they know that, you know, he's gone. They they don't have to deal with him or worry about him. So I wonder, I don't know, would he have that much influence? I don't know, but that would have been interesting anyway. Um, and another great part of this of this one is uh, we talked about in part four, how Barry has a more, more of an impact in, in this, in, the, in this version, he does have a bigger impact in the, in the outcome of this too. And Zack Snyder's version, because instead of just trying to get people out of town, out of the town, he's there. He's part of helping Victor um, separate the boxes. He has to give Victor the charge to get into the boxes to separate them. Um, and I do love how we get the fact that Barry's too late. Mm-hmm. I like we get that tease that it's too late and Barry has to go back in time to fix it. Yeah. Any other version of it, we were like, oh, Barry made it in time. But I like how we get that quick second, like, oh shit, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody knows it too. Yeah. Arthur, Superman, and Diana turn. They're ready to fight whatever comes out of that portal. Mm-hmm. 
I do like we get Barry. We get more Barry's powers of him being able to go back in time and like give himself a few extra seconds to get Victor into the boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that parademon was a hell of a shot to take Barry out to hit Barry moving that fast. Right? You know, that's just nuts. Like that dude, seriously. <laughs> he should be taking. He should be giving stormtroopers lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's as fast as Barry was moving. Was <laughs> a cr- wow. It was a- it's a crack shot, and then, well, then Batman blows off half his head afterwards, so <laughs> got his victory while he could, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, well, it's quite the thing. Like, you know, Barry gets hurt, and he's like, okay, heal, heal Barry. Like, he's trying to, like, you know, because he recognizes that, okay, he's got to fix this. And, you know, it, it definitely makes it a lot more realistic i guess where it's oh it's not all you know oh he made it in time it's all ponies and rainbows no he got hurt he's that you know ultimately he's too late well he can you know go back get that extra few seconds and actually do it the second time well i i kind of wonder if we were to get a a sequel to this which 99 percent sure we're not gonna yeah. That if we were gonna get a sequel to this, it would have ended on that Empire Downer ending where Barry's too late, mm-hmm. and that portal opens and Apocalypse takes over. Like the night, the nightmare sequence comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, 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 I pondered that if we would have gotten a sequel that if that's where part one of Zack Snyder just like ended with the portal opening oh, oh shit it's too late mm-hmm. I could I could see that for sure I could I could definitely see it and then continuing on from that moment I guess we'll never know sadly <laughs> uh, do you have any favorite parts from something darker Oh, I re- I really like, you know, yeah, when the, like he's in the you mentioned first, like when he's Superman's in the ship, and you know it's such a you know heartwarming scene. He's sort of, you know, it's it's almost like he's he's looking back on things and you know his previous suits and things, but then it's also the you know the the guidance and from from his fathers and um. You know, it's such a good, a, a really good scene. Like, I think it, when I first saw it, like, I was so, you know, like, in, like, really engaged with, with the film. And it kind of made me cry because it was just so, like, such an emotional and sort of powerful moment where he, you know, he, he's got this other suit and he goes off. And, and now, like, Superman at that moment, he's back. You know, he's he's back he's ready to you know ready to fight and i and i do love his short little you know interaction with alfred too like oh he was you know expecting you and you know you you know um okay and like he he goes off and and 
That's what he does. And then and then the whole, you know, not impressed with the axe. Like I that's a fucking badass scene. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he he's a badass at that moment. <laughs> well, he's fucking Superman, man. Exactly. <laughs> Not that I ever thought Superman wasn't a badass, but he just proves it and then some at that moment. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's um yeah all all of the I, I mean I, I I really do love all of, all of the moments in this in this particular one and um. Yeah, like the you know fight with everybody, and then ultimately you know Steppenwolf's head getting crushed, and <laughs> you know it's yeah. And there's Dasad to kick Steppenwolf lays down. I told you he would fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Salt in the wound. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. And I think this this is what makes it so sad too. Because now we're not gonna we're not gonna see what the old ways are that Darkseid was talking about. Mm-hmm. I just want to see an old school invasion of Apocalypse. Yeah. Because they kind of, you know, it's it's not really set up, but it's it kind of is for, you know, continuation of the story, right? And, oh, it's just like, you know, okay, we're going to break up the Armada, and this is what we're going to do, and it, it it really is kind of sad that we won't get to see that, like, ultimately what his plan was going to be. Yeah. So much of this film is what could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other parts to discuss of part six? No, I, I think we we've um, pretty covered, pretty well covered it. All right, then we'll bring it on home to uh, part seven, the epilogue, a father twice over. Mm-hmm. So uh, thoughts on the the epilogue? Um. Oh my goodness, what is it with my brain? Seriously. <laughs> um I I really love um just sort of how it really you know wraps up everything with everybody. And you know, I, I love that I think my favorite thing is that like Cyborg he goes back and you know, rebuilds the the tape player that he destroyed and listens to the rest of his father's message and, you know, gets to hear what else he had to say. Because ultimately, like, after, you know, up until the point of, okay, now I'm going to talk to you as a father, he crushes it and we don't get to hear it. But I love that he goes back and, you know, I think he's, he's, it shows he's grown, it shows he's changed. And it shows that he's, you know, finally ready to listen. And so he's able to, you know, rebuild the thing and and listen to it. And I love that it his message plays over 
sort of the rest of, of everything and how everything plays out. Um, and, you know, I, I do love, too, that, um, you know, Barry goes to visit his dad and, you know, that he, you know, shares with him that he got a job in his field and what he studied for. And and I love how proud his dad is. Like, he's just yelling at, like, that's my boy. <laughs> like, that's my son. That's dad, you're gonna get, dad, you're going to get maced again. What? He says, Dad, you're going to get maced again. Yeah. <laughs> Which Henry Allen seems like he's an upstanding inmate, so I don't know what Henry Allen did to get maced. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I love that that scene, and you know, it's um, you know, and I, I do love that that. You know, initially when, and I, and I think we kind of glossed over it a little bit before, but like Barry goes to visit his father, and his father's like, you know what, you know, you don't don't visit me anymore, you know, don't, you know, I'm holding you back, and you know, move forward, and you know, you see that Barry does, like he finally he he's not working, you know, ten million jobs, and and he's finally got something what he studied for and you know how proud his dad is like he's yes you know you, you did you know you got got the foot in the door <laughs> that's the thing people say right <laughs> yeah <laughs> foot in the door yeah that's what he's... <laughs> well, i wonder if we're gonna get more of it touched on the flash film the relationship between barry and his father I also don't think we're getting Billy Crudup back as Henry Allen. I think they recasted Henry Allen. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. Which is kind of kind of sad, but Yeah. That's how it is, I guess. <laughs> um Yeah. Um And then and then I do love, you know, to the the you know, the interaction, like when they're, you know, they, they go to the Kent farm, farmhouse, and, you know, like, oh, how did you get the, the house back? And I bought the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fucking Bruce Wayne move. Right? <laughs> it's so him. <laughs> Of all of all the Batman films in all the world, that's one of the most Bruce Wayneiest things Bruce Wayne has ever said. <laughs> Next to uh, Batman '89, where he goes, "How do you know it's Japanese? Because I bought it in Japan." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I def- Ben Affleck was one of our best Bruce Waynes. I honestly believe. I I agree. Um, I, I think he was he was really great, uh, especially in this one too. Like he just you know he's he's a changed person from previous, and he's you see his growth too. Like you know his change and his you know he's he's a little bit more positive instead of being so you know. Vengeance. Bat- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, dark and brooding and all about vengeance, yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, those those are parts that I, I really like. I think my if I had to pick uh, an absolute favorite from this one, it's definitely like definitely Cyborg because I think he had such a big part in this whole story and what he went through and I just I, I love that he yeah, he went back and listened to his father's message. Really a coming age coming of age tale for Cyborg in a way, small way. Absolutely. Same with uh same with Barry too. Also so but um it's a nice little wrap up for but I like I love I like the scene at the farmhouse where uh I bought the bank. <laughs> and um I also quite enjoy the nightmare sequence too. But I also I think before we get to the nightmare sequence have to talk about um the scene with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke. I do love that one. And Luthor's escape from uh, Arkham. Yeah. It really that that part's made me really wonder like how the hell did he do that? Like <laughs> Inmates escape from inmates escape from Arkham all the time. I mean for crying out loud, the Joker escaped Arkham in the cartoon on a f- Christmas tree that had a rocket in it. Mm, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm almost quite certain that the Arkham door, the front doors in Arkham are just revolving doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, if I'm not saying like the Joker isn't smart or a lot of these other villains aren't smart, but if some if somebody if a rogue less if somebody with less intelligence than Lex Luthor can escape Arkham, Lex can escape Arkham no problem. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, I I do love the meeting with him and Deathstroke. Um, another what could have been setting up for because we're supposed to get Deathstroke was supposed to be in this Ben Affleck solo film. Mm. Another what could have been when I think about this film, you know. Yeah. But I think it's time to move on to uh, the nightmare sequence. Mm-hmm. So, what is, what are your thoughts on the nightmare sequence? I I really liked it. Um, it's very much a um, a little bit of a of a what if because you know his interaction, like you know Bruce Wayne, Batman interacting with Deathstroke, and them sort of you know paired up, and then you've got your you know your evil superman and you know it's it's very much that that you know a, a big what if and then the joker interaction which you know i really love that um i think you know jared leto did a great job of portraying that and um yeah i i, I love that that interaction between the two like it's just you know joker sort of being he's being serious but then he's also kind of being playful as he kind of is and you know and then bruce being like oh you know you know i will you know get that moment whatever it's like i will fucking kill you Mm. (laughs) it's like yeah "Yeah, you will (laughs) and 
on that moment, like a lot of the F words in this, there weren't a whole lot of F bombs in this film, but they're all used like pretty well. Yeah. Like you get one, you get one from one of the terrorists at the beginning of the uh, of the film when uh, Wonder Woman goes to save him. Like one of them says, "Like stand, get on the fucking ground or whatever." And then you have this one at the end with "I will fucking kill you." Like so, none of the f bombs were used distastefully. Is the right word I want to use? They were used proper. They were used well. Yes, I think they were they were used appropriately. Um, because, you know, there, there's times where, you know, swearing or whatever, it just doesn't work or it doesn't feel like it was appropriate to use that when you could have just said what you said without using a, like a swear word. Whereas this, it really gets that point across. Like if, if he just said, well, I will kill you. Eh, it's not, it's not going to have that same impact it's like i will fucking kill you it's got that anger it's got just a lot more impact and i think it was definitely used well it's got that tone of it's got that serious tone to it that if it did shake the joker that would be the part that would do it yeah like he's not going to care that he held harley harley dying in his arms or the fact that the Batman's telling him to be careful with the words he chooses. It's the fact that he goes, I will fucking kill you. Looks right at and says, I will fucking kill you. Trust me, I will. Mm-hmm. That's if, see, his hands shake a little bit after he hands the card over. And then he goes, oh, you almost had me there. So if anything was going to scare the Joker, it that would be it. Because yeah. the Joker does not take anything seriously. Even when Superman shows up, even when Superman spots them. He's still just sitting there laughing and cackling. Yeah. But I like how you mentioned how they the team up with because times like this are going to call for strange alliances. So Batman's going to have to pair up with because a lot of villains are going to have villains are going to have just as much to lose as the heroes are in situations like that. So Deathstroke's going to have just as much to lose as Batman will or Joker. Joker's all about chaos though. So. Yeah. <laughs> But they're they're all, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a strange pairing, but they're basically all on the same page. Like they're on the same level. They're they have they each have something to lose in all of this, so they can't. It, it's not a time to be divisive. Like they they can't. They they have to be a team. I thought that was well done, and we and. Mm. I wish we could have got in over there over the course of the DCEU, the Snyderverse. I wish we would have gotten more Joker Batman interaction. Yeah. But, um, and then we also get I like the introduction. Oh, it wasn't the introduction. We got him earlier in the film, but Martian the 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 finale with Martian Manhunter and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I believe I jokingly I said the first time I saw this film, like, well, where the hell fuck were you when uh, Doomsday was destroying half of Gotham and Metropolis, motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really, where the hell were you? (laughs) I thought the the effects of Martian Manhunter looked really good. Yeah. I looked at it and that's Martian Manhunter. 
Yep. Although I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not familiar with, with that character. I, I still have to, um, kind of learn about him a little bit more, but yeah. And it was like, he did have a little bit more of a part two in it. Like he wasn't, it wasn't just sort of then that you, you saw him, but, um, well, if you, if you sitting here thinking about it, he does get some things in the motion, which may seem mundane. Cause I don't know if some people really liked him posing as Martha, early in the film to get Lois back going again. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, if he doesn't get Lois back to work, she wouldn't have maybe gone to Heroes Park at that day to see Clark and be there to calm Clark down. Yeah. Exactly. So it may seem mundane. That that just popped in my head sitting here thinking about it. Like, huh. Yeah, because he, he just says the the world needs Lois Lane too. Yeah, like she wouldn't have, you know, like we see her, like she's very much, you know, stuck in her sort of routine of, you know, grabbing the coffee and going to Heroes Park and giving the co- the one coffee to the the police officer that's there and and then you know she kind of probably goes about her day and it finally you know Marshman are posing as as. Martha and you know telling her that you know basically like encouraging her to you know to to get out of this to be you know Lois again um that yeah it breaks her from that that routine that she finally okay I'm going to you know like she's finally going to move on she's finally going to you know get through this and then you know, she ultimately, yeah, she goes to Heroes Park to, you know, to calm down Clark. And, you know, yeah, if he hadn't done that, well, <laughs> I don't know where we would be. <laughs> We'd all be dead. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so he, he definitely, you know, he, he played a role in it. A very important one. That's just. Something that came off the top of my head. <laughs> Just <laughs> thinking about, like, wait a minute. I, I think I've heard somewhere, like, I think I've heard whisperings on the internet that people weren't too fond of him posing as Martha. But certainly think, think about it, like, yeah, it does serve a purpose. It does. It really does. So anything else to say about the epilogue? Um, it's it's a good one. It really. You know, like I kind of said before, it really ties everything together and, um, you know, it it really, you know, gives everybody that that one last, you know, spotlight of where they're at and their their story. And you see, you know, their their growth as characters. And, yeah, it it really ties everything together very beautifully. And and the nightmare sequence is really cool. And, um, yeah. I think it's it's a really great um, ending to that story. It does give a nice. Uh, I wouldn't say quite. I think the bat the down thing is is it does not give quite a finality to it. It doesn't give a finality to everything. And if I read on IMDb correctly, this is supposed to take place a week after BVS, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be take place between BVS and Aquaman. So I like how it sets up for Aquaman, but I have to go talk to my dad. I'm going to go see my dad. So I love how it sets up into that. 
Um, I guess, I guess I how it just hurts because there's so much. It leaves it so open for more, and we're not going to get more. That's what makes me so sad about it. Yeah, it it really is, you know, sad. And the, you know, the thing is, it's already been a year. You know, I mean, that's not very long, but it's still enough. It's still a big, decent chunk of time, and you know, we aren't going to get this. But I think, I, I think it does an all right job of. At least tying things together, yeah, it's still very much sort of left open, but I think it 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 does wrap it up enough. But there there still very much is that what if and you know that sadness of we're not going to get a continued story. So yeah, because <laughs> we're we're left with a looming threat of apocalypse and everything else, and it's like man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It reminds me of uh, there was a song that Stone Sour did. Corey Taylor was reading a almost a, essentially a poem. It's like a hole in the wall where you can smell the food, but you can't touch the silverware. Yeah. Like, oh, that's 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 how the that's the sad thing about this film is like I can smell the food, but I can't touch the silverware eat it there's so much we have a looming threat coming from apocalypse and we're not going to see what happens with it no. we're not going to see the hall of justice built in old wayne manor or anything yeah let's see who else we add to the room for six chairs but room for more yeah. it's, it's sad but you know what at least you know, what what makes me really happy is that, you know, we got to see, at, at the end of the day, we got to see Zack Snyder's vision come to life. And, you know, I, I'm really happy that we did get it. As much as, you know, it's a wonderful movie, like, for sure. Like, it's so damn good. Um, but it just, I, I think that's my only nitpick of the film is that... <laughs> We're not gonna get any more. <laughs> yeah, that'd be my only nitpick too. It's I I agree with you 110. percent Like to focus on the positives, of which we try to do in the show. Like we finally got to see what Zach intended for for the Justice League, but it just sucks that there's so many questions about. There's so much, so many loose threads left. That we're not going to see him come around, come to fruition. It's it sucks. So I guess my final thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League is this is textbook message to Warner Brothers to quote Key and Peele, "You fucked up, a a Ron." <laughs> and they, and this, what's sad is they did the same thing to David Ayer later that year too, back in 2016. Because there's a David Ayer has his own cut of the Suicide Squad or of Suicide Squad. Yeah, which I really want to see, but I mean, you never know. <laughs> I know it's been trending. I don't think it's quite caught the fire that at least the Snyder Cut has, or no. Restore the Snyderverse, which I, I'm still 
all for Restore the Snyderverse as much as I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, a guy can dream, can he? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, any final thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League? It's just wonderful. Um, seeing everybody come together and, you know, have one big battle and, you know, yeah, it's, you know, a well-constructed film. Like, the storytelling is amazing, and I love that, you know, the people that didn't really get a good spotlight in in the other film really got it in this film and really got placed in a different light and made them really great characters. And... Um, yeah, I, I really love this film, and I, and I think it's, you know, really, um, yeah, it was very well done. This film is great. Um, I don't want, rewatch it as much as I should, um, and I, and I, I can full out admit it's because of the four-hour runtime. But here's the thing. It's not the fact that I don't want to sit and watch a four-hour-long movie. I would sit and watch an eight-hour-long Justice League film by Zack Snyder. <laughs> but really, it's just having the time to sit and watch. That's all. Yeah. It's, it, it, because really, if you think about it, this is a four-hour-long film that, that does not feel like a four-hour-long film. No. I've been in two-and-a-half-hour-long and two, two and films in the last year. And I start to squirm in my seat or look at my watch. And it's like, okay, let's uh, pick up the pace here a little bit. But um, yeah. I think it's more the task of it being a four-hour-long film is actually harder than actually watching it. Yeah. It's knowing how long it is and, like you said, finding that time. Because I think it is a little bit of a time commitment. Like, it's definitely okay, you're going to have that block of time to watch the film. And, I mean, yeah, you could you could technically watch it in, in parts, but would you? No. Like, I sure as hell haven't. <laughs> I watch it all in one thing. So it's, yeah, finding that block of time to, you know, sit down and watch it. And I was glad that we were going to be talking about it because, like, I hadn't watched it for a really long time. So it was kind of nice to... You know, I found that minute to, you know, finally give it a watch. Well, we of course to thank listener David Wang for suggesting something for us to do something on Zack Snyder's Justice League. So instead of tackling a four-hour-long commentary or breaking it down into commentary track, I think just to have like a one-year-later look back at it mm-hmm. was good. You know, because. Like I said, I, at the time this film came out, I was traveling and I was busy, and it was getting so, it was being covered so much everywhere else. And me and you both guest appeared on Superheroes Trust to talk about it, so um, we didn't want to saturate the market with it. But I'm glad David suggested we do something with Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I thought this would be like the best thing we could do is talk about it one year later, since it was come up on the one year anniversary. Yeah. I think that was that was a really good idea. I like I know we did, like we we kind of did do a little bit something for it. Like we did you know like the mental health awareness month and the you know build your own justice league. So we did kind of, mm-hmm. you know, have our own little thing. But yeah, the one year later I think was a good thing because it's kind of a 
you know, a, a good reflective say, look back on it and, you know, be a bit mind blown that it has already been a year. <laughs> yeah, well, at the time of this recording, it will just be next Friday will be uh, yeah. the one year. So that's our look back on Zack Snyder's Justice League one year later. So if you haven't seen the film by now, shame on you. It's the cinematic. I hate. I really hate throwing the word masterpiece around. Um, it's DCI porn. It gets. It is a Justice League comic. It is a Justice League comic on screen, mm-hmm. and it it does complete the Zack Snyder trilogy. It it comes full circle. It it's the perfect uh, ending to what Snyder set up in Man of Steel back in 2013. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So moving on from one universe to another, how about we talk about uh, another universe? Uh, so switching from universe to universe, how about we talk a more recent Batman project? Hell yeah. <laughs> I have been so, wanting to talk about this for what feels like centuries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we were going to briefly for us. <laughs> yeah. Discuss our thoughts on 2022's Matt Reeves is the Batman. It came out March 4th, 2022, just a few weeks ago. That's mm-hmm. on this recording. So, Melissa, after you. Where where do I even start? I. <laughs> well, um, you could you could start how you were so blah two years ago when the fandom trailer came out. <laughs> It became super fan when trailer two came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and I, Philip and Craig and they're like, oh my god, we can't fucking wait for two years. We can't fucking wait. Well, so, eh. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure about it. Like I, I don't know what it was, but I. I don't know. I was, I had like this layer of like skeptic. I don't know. I don't really know where, where it came from, but it was just like, uh, okay. I'm, I'm sort of there, but I'm not there. I'm kind of, I think a lot of people there, I can guarantee it. (laughs) They're hang up with Edward Cullen is Batman. Yeah. But like, you know, not really, you know, familiar a lot with with his other work. Like I hadn't really seen him in anything else, right? So other than unfortunately, you know, I saw Twilight, and then obviously like see him in Harry Potter. Like those were the only two roles I ever saw him in. So, and I mean, in one obviously you see him a lot more, but like in Harry Potter, you don't really see him as much. And so didn't really know how he was going to be or what he was going to bring to this to the table and then okay seeing the second 
trailer, it was like, okay, okay, uh, you're seeing that a little bit more. Okay, I'm a little bit more sold. I can be excited for this. But I still had a layer of like, I, I don't know about this. So then I decided that like I wasn't going to, I completely it made sure I didn't see a damn thing that like, you know, articles or photos or whatever, anything that revolved around the Batman, I did not want to know. I didn't want to know anything. I just wanted to go into the film and enjoy it for what it was. That was my ultimate thing. Like, I I went so far as to, like, on Twitter, you can mute words. I muted, like, the Batman, Batman, like, all the things I could think of that would relate to that movie. Because I didn't want to stumble upon anything. I didn't want to... I just wanted to go in completely, no expectation, nothing. And I think that was the best way to go about it because when I went into that theater, saw the film, and at the end, I, I, at the end, you know, directed by Matt Reeves, I was like, (laughs) that was me. I was just like, this was fucking amazing. And I am so sorry to Robert Pattinson that I ever doubted him. <laughs> I've really been trying to train my brain since Heath Ledger to not judge a casting. I haven't always succeeded in it. I've slipped. I really trained my brain for Robert Pattinson. Give him a shot. I've been on board since I saw that Fandome trailer and he beats that henchman down and says i'm vengeance sold take my 10 bucks now here's my 10 bucks now (laughs) yeah yeah it is um yeah i I think he he really I, i mean everybody knocked it out of the park um yeah, I, I what I really loved was that it really it was definitely your detective story, you know, the detective Batman, the you know him, you know, solving this this whole mystery and and figuring things out. And you see him, he he kind of like a you know like Batman Sherlock Holmes kind of thing where he's you know piecing all these things together and working along with, um, you know, with everybody. And yeah, like I just, such a great film. Like I, it's in, it's, you know, just under three hours, but it doesn't feel like it at all. It's another one of those films where it really doesn't feel like the, the runtime. But we we finally we got lots of things in this film that have really been lacking in Batman films past. Um, one one major thing is the the, the detective work. We've mm-hmm. gotten we've gotten tastes in films past of Batman being a detective, but this is probably the first film where he is a detective. Like those contact lenses, those are fucking awesome. Aren't they? 
him digging in and trying to figure out all him, him and Gordon working together, trying to figure this, all this stuff out, the connections between the Riddler and everything and the Falcons and the Maronis and what the Riddler has to pay, play in all the and penguin and, and how it's all connected. So I believe I'm not mistaken. This is inspired off of three, three Batman stories. So the long Halloween. Yeah. Um, Batman ego and, and uh, year one. No, not year one because it's nope. year two. Oh, well, I it's, it's 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 also inspired from Earth Batman. Er, it's Earth One. Earth One. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. This is more because it's more of a year two story because it's Batman in his second year. But I, I, we do get a lot of the detective work in here. That like yeah we like Dark Knight or Nolan Universe had it, Snyder had it, um, the Burton slash Schumacherverse had the detective work, Adam West had detective work. This is for like the first time we've got like full on detective Batman. Mm. Speaking of first, we finally got like internal monologue as voiceover. Finally, too, because that's a lot of Batman comics, too, is a lot of internal monologue for Batman. So you, Batman opens and closes this film with internal monologue voiceover. Yeah. And it worked. It did. There was like, well, how do you make that work in movie that Matt Reese found a way, man? It did. It, it really, you know, and, and what I love most is that, you know, if you really think about it, he doesn't really have a lot of dialogue in this movie. It's so much of the internal dialogue, like that, that, you know, the narration that you hear and yeah, obviously he does talk throughout the film, but there are moments where he's not, but the message is clear. You know what he's thinking, you know what he's doing. Like you, you really get a sense of, of things from him. And it's simply just from him, you know, acting a certain way, or you see it in his eyes, or or things like that. Like it's, you you kind of see the gears in his head going, but and he doesn't need to say anything. And I believe Philip and Craig pointed out our friends Philip and Craig from the, the Eternal Light podcast. He pointed out I think as Bruce Wayne, he only says one thing at the mayor's funeral inside the church. At least, because he talks to Falcone on on the outside of the church or inside the city hall, or whatever I think it's at city hall. Yeah. Outside city hall, he talks to Carmine Falcone and the Penguin, but inside he, the city hall, he only says one thing, and that's to the mayor elect. Otherwise, he's quiet the whole time. Yeah. Up until then, you know, when he's, you know, like helping with the riddles. But, like, yeah, that's it. Like, it's just him. Going back to what you said, the performances, there was not a single bad performance in the entire film. From the guy that played the drop head trying to rob the store at the beginning of the film to Robert Pattinson, there was not a single bad performance at all. Absolutely not. Everybody was great. 
and while we're on the subject, I want to take a ten. I want to take a minute to gush about Paul Dano as the Riddler. Yes. Like, I'd only ever seen him in Little Miss Sunshine. And boy, was I shocked when I saw him on screen for this. Because when I heard he was a, a cast, and I'm like, the guy from Little Miss Sunshine, the brother from Little Miss Sunshine, doesn't talk through half the film? <laughs> but um, one of my favorite scenes has to be the interaction between him and Batman when he's finally taken in. And he's as himself. And how he play? And I, I think I talk about this every I talk to the film, but I love how he plays crazy, but he's not over the top crazy. Yeah, he's unsettling. Yeah, because um, I've always said numerous times that with the level of intellect like the Riddler would have, there is going to be some insanity to it. Mm-hmm. That's happened in famous people in history. Some people are very smart, but they're also very disturbed at the same time. And I think Riddler, Paul Daniels Riddler, plays that very well. I think overall, but uh, so I just had to take a minute to gush about how great Paul Daniels Riddler is. Everybody was great. Colin Farrell's Penguin, even John Turturro's Carmine Falcone was great. Uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman knocked out of the park. Mm-hmm. Even I wish we, I hope we get more Andy Serkis's Alfred. Me too. He was such a great Alfred. We didn't get much of him because I'm assuming that he was probably directing Venom Two. Yeah, that's probably why we didn't get much of him. So I hope we get more of Andy Serkis in the following films because I do love his a lot of his live action stuff when he's not doing just motion capture. Mm-hmm. He's he's a really great actor. Like I, I really enjoy him. Um. And yeah, him as as Alfred was really great. Like he, I feel like he really gave him, you know, a little bit more layers because I think there's a little bit more to learn about him. You know, especially like with the like the history and things, and and you know, like how he when he's talking, like you know, teaching Bruce to fight and things like that, like. I, there's there's a little bit more to learn about him, I think. This is only just like sort of the the, the first layer of things. Well, but if I'm not mistaken, well, going back to what we just said about Jeremy Irons, is that every Alfred has had their piece, has brought their own thing to the table when it comes mm-hmm. to being Alfred. They they serve their purpose, and. This is what Andy Serkis is. is if I'm not mistaken, Earth One Alfred is like a former ops, and so that's how he teaches Bruce how to fight, and he's able to work with all this stuff. I think because they also use this, they also use this version of Alfred on Gotham, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Michael Caine's Alfred was like a former secret ops guy too, but. But I don't think he taught Bruce how to fight or anything. But, no. but this, but this Alfred being more hands-on, helping solve the riddles, and being there for him. Less, mm, I'd say he's still kind of the father figure. He's more like the tough father, like the tough love kind of father. Because yeah. you can actually, you can see the genuine heartbreak in Alfred's eyes when uh, he says, "You're not my father." Yeah. Like you can see a little heartbreak. To his, which he says, well, I'm, I'm well aware. 
Yeah. That, oh. You, you really felt for, for Alfred at that moment. But I, I think it's, you know, especially, like, one of my, my favorite, that honestly kind of made me cry a little bit because it was kind of really heartwarming was, like, when, you know, he's in hospital and they, you know, they, they have their chat, whatever, and, you know, that they're worried about, you know, losing someone you care about. And, you know, Alfred reaches out a hand to him. And it's like, oh, it's, you know, they, they care about each other. Like, yeah, you know, he said what he said before, but, you know, they, they have that, that bond, that connection, right? And, you know, I think this Alfred is definitely a father figure for, for Bruce, definitely. Because, you know, he takes care of him, you know, like in the beginning, like, you know, go have a shower, you know, like get kind of cleaned up, right? You know, we got people coming and whatever. And and even when, you know, he's going to go to the, the funeral, like, you know, you can't go like that. You know, here's cufflinks, you know, like, <laughs> you know, keep keep up appearances, right? I had a thought and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but um oh okay i remember it now so uh we talk about we talked about briefly in uh zach snyder's just like how bruce kind of makes that or ben affleck's bruce and batman makes a transition into i can't be all vengeance and moody until i need to be a light for these people we also get that um that transition for Robert Pattinson's Bruce and Batman also. It's not all vengeance and that's stuff I have to be a, I don't want to say a beacon of hope because it's more of a Superman thing. But um that there had almost almost like there there has to be another way. Whereas I it just can't be all I can't be just be controlled by vengeance. I there has to be another way. So I love how we get that great arc from the beginning of the film with Bruce Batman to the end. You get that transition that mm-hmm. he, he realizes he can't be controlled by straight vengeance. No. No. But he can he can he can change, you know, what he does and who he is. Like he can no, he he can't be working like this, that you know, it's it's not good that he can he can be a light and, you know, help people and you know, Gotham may not change, but at least he can have some kind of, you know, positive impact on things. What about some favorite scenes from this film? Oh my goodness, there's so many. Um, I, <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll first start out. I really love the car chase. Um, where we first like we we get to see. You know, Pattinson's Batmobile, and which is a fucking badass car. I love it. <laughs> and, and allegedly inspired by Christine, which is even more badass. Right? <laughs> I I love that. Um, but which which I mean, I can see. It, you know, it's pretty indestructible and intimidating, and and it does go through flames. So. <laughs> But uh, 
But yeah, I, I really love that whole sequence. And then, you know, I I especially love that, um, you know, when everything, you know, crashes and whatever, and, and Penguin's like, ha, ah, I got you. I got you, you freak. I got you. And he's so, you know, self-assured. And, and then, boom, comes through the flames, you know, his car. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> And then the always car just like flips and flips and flips. And then I really love that shot where it's the car's upside down and then you see, you know, Batman walking towards it. Like he's, oh, it's flame explosion, whatever. And it's such a cool shot. Um, but uh, yeah, I that's one of my, my favorite. I think that one's, you know, a really fun sequence. Um, and you know, I, I love the like the music to it too. Like it's just it's so good. Um, but uh, what I really love, and and I learned this from, and I'm sure you, you listen to um, from the Eternal Night podcast where they're talking about that scene that they apparently they did it all virtually. Like they yep. they planned it all on a computer and then filmed it like. Wow, like that's pretty damn cool. That the you know they they had this image, they they pieced it together, and then they physically did it. Like that's really really cool. That whole process. So um, yeah, I really really enjoy that. Um, and then uh, there was one other thing I thought of. Um, My goodness. Um, and then, like, you know, I, I really like the the little bit of, you know, humor when, you know, they they catch, you know, penguin whatever, and they're going through everything. They figure things out in the computer, and then, oh, you you realize like I'm still here. Like, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> you know, like you sons of bitches. And I love how like his you know his ankles are tied up and he's like waddling like ah <laughs> I just that killed me <laughs> and uh, uh what was the other one that I'm thinking of um oh there's so many that I I really enjoyed but the the other one that I can think of is you know his interaction at at you know at, at Arkham. Um, the Riddler and how you know he's like Paul Daniels' performance in Riddler is just amazing. Like he's he brings that just unsettling, creepy vibe to him. Like he's just oh, you know, somebody you just you, you don't want to deal with, you don't want to mess with, you don't you know. But that whole interaction where you know, he's, you know, saying, you know, like Bruce, Bruce Wayne, and thinking that, you know, the, and then the reaction of, of Batman, like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Did you, like, have you figured it out? And then, oh, it's the one person we didn't get. Like, oh. <laughs> like, he, you think that he knows he hasn't figured out, but he doesn't. And, and then, you know, the whole thing of, 
you know, this is how it's supposed to end. And well, no, it's not supposed to. It's not going to end like this. And how he just. No, no, no. He just like flips like this switch goes off and he's just like, no, no, no. Like just he he. He's been proven that he failed and he can't because it's just, you know, who he is. He has to be that step ahead. And when he's not, he's flipping shit. And, yeah, that that whole scene, how it plays out, just incredible. Um, and, yeah, and I, I just, um, yeah, but. Uh, those are the few scenes that I, I can think of off the top of my head that I really, really enjoyed. So what what are some of your favorite um, moments from the film? Um, I think one of my favorite scenes, at least one that you didn't touch on, because you listed some good ones, because I do love that interaction with Riddler and Batman and Arkham, but I think one of my favorite ones has to be the first interaction between Batman and the Riddler when uh, they're in the city hall after the funeral um, trying to talk down or having their FaceTime interaction trying to save uh, the DA. Yeah. And Riddler doing his little broadcast, reading off the riddles to Coulson, which I have to say that Riddler is probably one of the most patient rogues in the world in this film because any other of the rogues would not have like a lot like he really gives colson a fighting chance to live um because he doesn't give the mayor or the police chief any chance to live um even allows batman to help him solve the riddle and all this stuff i love how he's just counting down while colson figure five four Three, two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's another. He did it so well playing crazy there without being over the top. Um, so yeah, I love like yeah, I say like yeah, the Riddler's very freaking patient with Coulson. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, no other rogue probably would have let Batman help him solve the riddles or anything like that. And so nobody else got a fighting chance to survive the predicaments they were in. Bruce Wayne would have, or Batman would have with the, uh, the fire retardant blanket when, uh, he sends the bomb to Wayne tower. But, um, yeah, but I just love that interaction of him just going over the top, reading those riddles and everything. And I was joking with my friend, Mikey the other day at work talking about it. And I go, well, being a, a haunted house worker for years and years, I've never really been a fan of wearing masks. I've always been a face paint kind of guy. So I kind of feel for Paul Dano and the Riddler for, I could just feel like the sweat puddling in that mask. Always being in it. Or like the way, the way he gives some of his dialogue, kind of has some wet S's in his talk. Like I could just imagine like spit and sweat just puddling in the bottom of that mask <laughs> yeah especially too like he's wearing glasses so it's like you know oh just yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and I really love a lot of the riddles we got in this film, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what does a liar do when he is dead? Like, That's great. He lies still. And it's leaps and bounds beyond what we got in um, Batman 66 with uh, the 68 Batman film with uh, what weighs two ounces and is deadly. Uh, Robin or a sparrow with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or it can be cruel, it can be poetic, it can be blind, but when it is denied, it's violence you will find. Mm-hmm. Justice. And all great riddles. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love. uh, What did you think about some of the teases we got in this film? So we got like a tease for Hush. We have a tease for Joker, obviously. I think. um, Although I, I didn't. I didn't really piece that together when I saw it, like when that came up, I thought it was more or less like, like, you know, a quiet, like keep it, you know, keep it hush hush. Like that's, that's kind of where I was going with it. I didn't really piece it together, the character, but, um, I think that's, it could be a very interesting idea. Like what could he do with that character? Um, I, I want to see a, a Matt Reeves version of that. <laughs> For sure, and well, you know, well, well, with with Hush's last name being Elliot, and that was the name of the reporter that uh, Falcone had killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it it could give, um, for those familiar with the Hush storyline, I would say it would give Tommy Elliot more precedent to go after Bruce than, oh, he was jealous of Bruce's upbringing. Yeah. Bruce had it all growing up when he lost his parents and Tommy Elliott tried to have his parents killed and it, all he got out of it was a clingy mother. So say if this Elliot it was Edward Elliot, the reporter, I believe. Um <laughs> if he had a son named Tommy and um he grows up to know that Bruce Wayne's parents had a connection to this, it could give him more precedent to go after Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah, definitely. But what did you think of the Joker tease? Because apparently we're supposed to get more of that character in this film. I guess it's going to be a deleted scene coming to the the home release. Yeah. Um, I I quite liked it. Um, I thought that was... And that was apparently a scene that was going to be cut out or something. Like, it wasn't something that was going to be uh, kept in, but then they ultimately decided to, to keep it in. Um, because I think it worked. Like, it really, you know, it, it just, oh, boy. Like, he could potentially have, you know, Riddler could potentially have somebody else that he could, you know, work with. And, you know... They, they could each, the two of them could cause chaos. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really liked it. I, I thought it was it was pretty neat. And I liked, you know, I, I know we really didn't see much 
of the character because it was basically just through that little window. But the the look of him was, you know, a little kind of um, for for what we saw, just unsettling but really cool. And uh, yeah, so I I really liked that that interaction. Like I thought that was, and I think it's kind of you know appropriate. Like he's like you know Riddler's at the you know like you're at the bottom and you're um oh what's that line but that you're um one day you're on top the next day you're a clown next day you're yeah next day you're a clown and you know i love that like he you know it's somebody that you know riddler can can connect with like on that level like they both sort of have that thing and so yeah i really enjoyed that interaction with the two of them like that was especially the 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 laughs <laughs> that was just like oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah i liked it they um i i hope that that version of a joker comes around at some point um i i've kind of been doing reading after and that it's it's a maybe but it's a may not it's sort of a very up in the air thing like they're they have ideas floating around or whatever as to what they want to do so but i think i would love to see that version of a joker in some place i like philip and craig's idea of possibly maybe the arkham show spinoff that we're getting like winding up with like joker being incarcerated in arkham Mm. Like I'm okay with like being the avid Joker fan. Joker being my favorite comic book character of all time, I'm okay with not getting Joker Batman all the time. Like I'd I, I'd love to see Joker. I'd love to see Joker put the back burner to give other rogues a chance because Batman's got one of the best rogues in all of comic books. Absolutely. So I would love to, I would gladly let Joker take a back seat to a poison ivy or Dr. Hugo Strange. I've been pushing for Robert England to play Dr. Hugo Strange for years. Mm. I love how Philip and Craig brought that one up, bringing Dr. Hugo Strange into it to team up with the Riddler or anything. Yeah. So like, just, I'm not going to be disappointed if we don't get, I don't, I'm not going to be disappointed if we don't get Joker in the next one. Yeah. Because I think, I feel like, um, you know, like with Matt Reeves, I think he's going to, you know, he seems like the person that would bring out the characters that you don't see often. You know, like it, you, you, you know of, but you don't really see too often. So, like, to bring them into a, a live action movie, I think, is something that, that he would do. These kind of maybe a little bit tucked under the carpet characters and, you know, kind of bringing them, giving a spotlight on them. I think is something that he would do, but do it in a really neat way. Well, he took, he took rogues that were well known in this film and brought them to the forefront. Like Falcone and the penguin and Catwoman are all well known. Yeah. And Riddler. Yeah. But I mean, I think like, yes, he, the Riddler, the, all that 
Penguin, like these well-known characters, like he, you know, and really brought them into a different light. But I think if he were to continue this, I don't think he would necessarily pick, you know, like the Joker or like those, like the well-known villain. I think he would pick somebody else and give, you know, like you said, these other characters, you know, that that's what I'm getting at. Is well, to continue that story, I think he would pick these other characters that you don't always see. You know them, but you don't always see them. Well, from what I've heard, he Matt Reeves has talked Mr. Freeze. And I've heard that Robert Pattinson would like the Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. Both good. Like we're we're due for a redemption of uh Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin and Court of Owls haven't been done in a, on a film in a film before, so that would be great. Mm-hmm. And we all know Philip Barker's going to would throw his wallet at that one. <laughs> he really like he really wants to see that. <laughs> I liked uh, was it Craig's idea of Professor Pig? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think... that or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's what I mean. Like, you know, they're like Craig and Phil picking a lot of these other characters and, you know, that we know, but, you know, haven't been. And so I think that's that I could see him doing something like that. You know, these, these characters that, you know, presenting them in a different way or, you know, yeah, giving a kind of redemption to, you know, maybe a little bit less punny, cheesy Mr. Freeze, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, um, and, and making him a little bit more of a serious character. Um, but yeah, like, you know, even, you know, for other villains, like, you know, yeah, like a Poison Ivy, which, you know, like, that would be really great to see her in something like that. And um, as played by Eva Green. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah, I I think... Yeah, it would be it would be really great to to see these other characters be brought into you know whatever Matt Reeves might create because you know what he what he did in this film with you know these characters that we all know and and you know do have a love for he did amazing like he they they were all really really good. And each of the actors really brought them to life. Eva Green would be my pick for Zack Snyder universe, Poison Ivy. I'd say for this, for Matt Reeves' universe, I'd say Samara Weaving for Poison Ivy. Mm, I can see that. But I just, you know, I gotta continue. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. She could, I think she could do really good with that. I would have I would have said Eva Green. Philip didn't say Jessica Chastain, so I didn't. I didn't say that's why I refrained. <laughs> Eva, Green, Eva Green was Eva Green was always my choice for Poison Ivy to pair up with Margot Robbie's Harley. Yeah. So who wouldn't want to see that relationship? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but. Anyway, yeah, it would be really cool to see, you know, a Poison Ivy character in, in 
you know what would what would Matt Reeves do with that that character? Like how how would she be? How would you know? Um, but yeah, it would be really neat because you know yeah <laughs> I'm gonna end up repeating myself, but um, oh yeah. This film really is great. It's I, one of the reviews says it's the Batman film we deserve. It really is. This from beginning to end, this film is great. Absolutely, I, I really, um, you know, I, I loved every moment of it. I loved, I just, you know, I really loved that it was like I, I kind of said already that you know the detective Batman because that's kind of that's ultimately who he is he's a detective he's you know yes he's got you know the strength to like you know to fight your 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 baddies and all that stuff but at the end of the day he's he's a detective he's figuring out things he's you know it's why he's you know you're 10 steps ahead of everybody because he's got a plan without a plan and you know like he's he's got that because he's got that ability to you know piece things together and and figure things out and i and i really loved how it was done in this film you know and all the the ciphers and the the puzzles and and you know how you know quickly he was able to to figure these things out and um yeah like and i you know i really love like you, you really see his process like especially when you know in the the one scene where he sort of has all the pieces and like he writes it out all on the floor, like okay, you've got like you know sins of a father, I got this and this, and you know like all these pieces, and he's you know figuring it out. Like I love seeing that 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 total process of of figuring out this this mystery and who you know the the rat is and who you know where where are we going to find Riddler and. Yeah, I, I really love seeing how that all unfolded, and um, you know, and then I, I really loved, you know, Batman and and you know Catwoman's interactions. Like it was a really great interaction with with the two of them. Like it was, you know, I loved how she was a little bit like, well, I'm just, you know, I can't remember how she worded it, um, but. You know, like I, I'm just, you know, nothing to you. You're just, I'm, I'm doing whatever you, you're telling me to do. Well, but it's, I, I feel like I'm a fish on a hook. Fish on a hook. That's it. Yeah. And <laughs> I do kind of, I, I don't know. I kind of laughed at the interaction, like, you know, fish on a hook. And he's like, well, look at me. And it's almost like he's going to be a memorable, like a whatever meaningful moment. And it's like, oh, it looks good. Like, <laughs> <got that context. laughs> it's like I don't know, it was it just kind of made me laugh. <laughs> well, so Batman, in Batman's defense, that's that moment in the relationship he doesn't know if he can trust her or not. Well, exactly, and that's it. But it's I don't know. I found some oh, that tiniest shred of, of sort of humor in it because yeah, it's, they don't know each other yet, you know. And I think that's just the beginning of of them working together so you know i i totally understand that that he's he's in work mode like he's wanting to investigate this and he's got to use her to 
get that information. So I totally understand that, but there's just that little bit of, you know, it's, it, it was, you know, gave, gave me a little bit of a, of a chuckle before that, but yeah, I, I love their interactions. It's like before, and then, you know, as they, they, you know, they get to know each other and, you know, they, they work so well together and um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love, um you know every bit of this film it's so well done um yeah pattinson absolutely knocked it out of the park as as batman bruce wayne like he he did amazing and and as did everybody um you know yeah, jeffrey one performance we didn't yeah so about so we didn't talk about jeffrey wright's commissioner or not even commissioner uh lieutenant gordon lieutenant gordon yeah he he was awesome. Um, he he really was great. Like he, you know, he had that, you know, intensity about him. But then he also had like the caring and like he he was he was really really good. I, I really loved his performance. Well, I really hope because now that it's been announced recently that. Instead of Gotham Central being a spinoff show, it's more morphing into an Arkham show. So I hope we still get more Jeffrey Wright, Commissioner Gordon, that. Because mm-hmm. I was all for getting more of of a more of him as in the Gotham Central show, but with it morphing into an Arkham show, I hope we still get more of him in there. Like I hope he's also helping Batman bring in these rogues. Yeah. There's one thing I love about Commissioner Gordon is he is, despite that working with a vigilante, that he is like the book of ethics for, for Gotham City in general. Because that's really one thing I never liked about, as much as I love The Dark Knight Returns and all this stuff, and I like Frank Miller, I never really liked Frank Miller's depiction of Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Because he always has to make... Like, uh, was it uh, year one, he has Jim cheat on his wife with Sarah Essen. Mm. Like, can we just have, like, one good... What's wrong with having one good cop, you know? Like, why does everybody have to have a flaw about him? If anybody in Gotham City is going to be perfect, it's going to be Commissioner Gordon in my eyes, you know? And what what I really love is, like, there's the one line in the movie where, like, you know, he's... he. You know, like Riddler's not going after him, and well, because you're not corrupt. Yeah. You know? and you start to see Batman pay that respect to him after a while. He's like when they're looking through the mayor's car, he's like, "Well, I've known you for two years. I don't even know your name, man." And then, uh, Commissioner Gordon goes, "You're the only one I trust." Yeah. Or how when Batman gets knocked out from the explosion and he's in the in Gotham, in the at the Gotham PD, and he goes, "We got to get you out of here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you could have swung a punch. <laughs> you could have held that punch. You pulled that punch. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but yeah, there's that that respect level between the two of them, and and they have such a great connection like they work very well together because they you know 
they, they definitely have that level of trust and you know yeah um it's good to it's good to see that interaction between commissioner gordon and batman or gordon i keep saying commissioner gordon uh between gordon and batman because we didn't get much of it in the Burton Schumacher universe because uh, Commissioner Gordon, that universe, he slowly kept getting his role, slowly kept getting smaller and smaller and mundane and mundaner. We got a great, uh, we got a pretty damn good uh, relationship between Gary Oldman's Commissioner Gordon and uh, Christian Bale's Batman. And we didn't get enough of J.K. Simmons and Ben Affleck no. interacting together, but. This for the first film is a great interaction. What we need to see between like a commissioner, uh, a fuck, <laughs> between a a Gordon and a Batman. I keep wanting to say commissioner, he's not commissioner yet. I know it's really hard not to <laughs> give him a title, <laughs> but those two, yeah, like I think this is. Is it safe to say this is the most interaction that we've gotten between Gordon and and Batman? Or is that stretching it a bit too far? Well, we get a lot in the Nolan trilogy. But just mm, like oh, like with maybe regards- I would say maybe I would say maybe more hands-on interaction, yeah. maybe. Yeah, like with them working together on something. Yeah, I would. I'd say when at, if you look at the level, if you approach at the level, of them like working hands-on together, then yes, I would say. Because I think, like, you know, everybody, they, they already, you know, they have their interaction with but I think this one's the most. Because they're they're each figuring this out. They're each helping each other and, you know, bring, he's, you know, bringing them to investigations. I mean, it makes sense because, you know, like the, the card, you know, to the Batman, right? So it makes sense he has to be there. But just the fact that you're also, he's a part of the investigation. You know, and I do love <laughs> one of my favorite parts when they're in the Riddler's apartment. And, you know, look at what he's like, wearing gloves. He's wearing gloves. <laughs> look at this guy. He's wearing gloves. <laughs> but, uh, I, I like that. I like that one random cop that kept popping up throughout the whole film. Like at the funeral, hey, Mr. Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, he's also the one like, hey, uh, that's a carpenter's tool. Yeah, that, you know, like, what is it, his dad or uncle or something? It's a, a Tucker. Oh, and that, you know, the yeah, I, I love him. He's just kind of very random, <laughs> but it works. It's not a, it's not a over the top random. It's a appropriate random, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really. I, I want to know where Riddler got those cards. Right? Those are awesome. <laughs> those are. <laughs> I really, I really like those. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what, one of my other favorite kind of things was the, um, I was thinking of the, when you mentioned, you know, they're looking at the cars, and oh, I'm looking for like a USB, whatever, and you see Batman, he rolls his eyes, like, 
and thumb drive. <laughs> I that was funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th- this. Yeah, every everybody's you know interactions and like Gordon and and Batman and Riddler and you know Batman just you know the the whole interaction is just. Like, the whole film is just really, really good, and you know, it's it's great to see that you know he starts out as, you know, he's he's vengeance, he's dark, he's really, you know, recluse, and he decides no, he can do better, you know, after everything has happened, and you know that he can still help, he can still be a light, and you know, one of my favorite, I think, other like cinematic things is when they're he saves the people out of the the rubble and he has like the flare and he's leading them out and there's that whole group of people like it starts out with like oh you know the few group of people that are stuck whatever and then it becomes this big group of people that he's leading out and it's like oh i just i love that whole shot well it kind of goes around to the beginning of the film where it's uh he says the signal, it's a warning, and how when that signal goes off, the criminals, no matter if they're robbing a, a store or spraying graffiti on a building, when they see that signal there, they assume he's nearby, so it strikes fear in people's hearts. And the people who aren't, um, so the people, who, the law-abiding people, don't know what what to think of him. So now that the new mayor can trust him. Well, the kid with old the ex mayor's kid was able to trust him, so now Batman is showing that he is a symbol that can be trusted by law abiding citizens of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Instead of just a vengeful vigilante, he's a, a protector. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on the Batman? It is an absolutely incredible film. Everybody did an amazing job. And once again, I am really sorry, Robert Pattinson, that I ever doubted you. (laughs) Uh, You, sir, are the Batman. I think uh, our friend Craig Blaylock said it. I think it was Craig that said it on Facebook. I really hope that Warner Brothers learned a lesson from this and from Zack Snyder's Justice League that they need to stay the fuck out of the. They need to stay stay out of. They gotta stop micro. They gotta stop micromanaging. Stay out of the director's chair. Let the director do their job and look what. Look what greatness you get when you let the director do their job. Because Warner Bros. used to be known as the directing film company, or it was the director-driven film studio. So hopefully with Discovery taking over now, they're learning the lesson, say, okay, okay, we need to... We fucked over Zack Snyder, we fucked over David Ayer and a bunch of other directors by meddling in their shit. We need to stand back and let these directors do their thing and have some trust in directors again. Mm-hmm. 
let them let them be who like let them have their creativity let their you know encourage their creativity and their imaginations and what they want to make don't get in on what they want to do you know the with the batman and you know this ultimately this shows when you don't interfere with what they do this is what you get you get a really great well-constructed film and you know it's been you know really really successful and i i agree i totally thousand percent agreed with with craig's statement on that but i hope that you know they did they learned a lesson from this because yeah they they need to be director driven and not be the micromanagers that they currently are and hopefully with all the the changes that are being made within that company that things do change and do change in a positive way Craig said it a lot better than I did. I, I butchered the hell out of it. I'm sorry, Craig. <laughs> but I, I really hope that Warner Brothers took the right things away from this and from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like, we need to stop micromanaging these directors and let them do their thing, let them do their vision and trust them that they will give us a product that people will love. It may not be loved by everybody, but those who love it are going to love it. I really don't want to say this is my number one film of the, of the year right now because I said that all last year about Zack Snyder's Justice League until Jason Reitman made me cry in November with Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, but right mean, now it is number one. <laughs> I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League stayed number one for me all throughout. I mean, I, I did I did really want to change and flip it around, but I was just like, no, I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. So... Yeah, that's why my Ghostbusters was second, but it's fist fighting for first. I mean, they're both number one in my eyes. <laughs> but this but one... Three, three, three months into the year, this is my favorite film of 2022 so far. Yeah, I, I'm going to say the same. It's, it's yeah, my, my absolute number one. Um, I have, I have absolutely loved it. And even, and even my mom really loved it, too. She We were... She was gushing it about it uh, as much as I was after the film. <laughs> we we couldn't stop talking about it all the way home from the movie theater after we saw it. Uh, and even even the second time around, we couldn't stop gushing about it. So um, we, we're definitely, you know, fans of this film and we really, really love it. Um, I, I don't know if I can if I can say the same for my my friend Chrissy that saw it but she did she did like it but um but it's again it's it's not you know it's it's not for everybody but if you know the, the fans are gonna love it are gonna love it and you know so yeah and this is also a film where we get a lot of Batman in absolutely a lot of Batman yeah a lot of Batman films, you get a lot of Bruce Wayne, a little bit of Batman, because you gotta, you paid for the actor, you gotta see his face. You get a lot of Batman in this film too, which is also great. Yes, absolutely. But um, 
Yeah, definitely my favorite film I've seen this year so far. I've seen I've seen the film three times in eight days at the time of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it twice, so. <laughs> uh, it's it's great film. So if you haven't seen it and we haven't spoiled it too much, get out there and see it. It's making all the money right now. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. So. I guess there's, that's all we have for tonight. I guess I think I see the bad signal in the sky. I see the nerd signal in the sky, I should say. <laughs> so I think it's time to bring it on home. Yeah. Um, Melissa, where can the listeners keep up with you if they choose to? Well, they can keep up with me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um both my Twitter and Instagram handles is at Miss Melissa N25. It's all lowercase, nothing fancy. Um, I also have an art page on Instagram called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. Um, so you can follow me on those things. Uh, and where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. That's where you find the pictures of my cats and of my beard. Um, I am doing a in the after time of this recording. I'm still in the process of working on a sketch show play with a small theater group. So, be looking for stuff for that. If you want a little variety from all the hair on my social medias. Um, also, I was recently asked to be on the Eternal Night podcast with our friends Philip and Craig, talking about the sixth anniversary, one of my favorite comic book films of all time, BVS. So. Look for that wherever you find your podcast and support that amazing show because it was so much fun. Um, yeah. If you want to follow us as a podcast as a whole, you can do that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerd Nations Podcast. And don't forget to send us an email at nerdnationspodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send all your questions and suggestions we have. Yeah. And if you want to keep listening to us as a podcast, you can find us at our home at Podbean. Uh, you can also find us on um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And on any one of those platforms that you choose, uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review. It helps us be a little bit more noticed within the podcast community and also allows for new people to come and find us and listen to us. And most importantly, we definitely appreciate um, you know reviews and, and things like that as well. And uh, stay tuned to your podcast feeds because the next time we get together, we'll be answering your letters, your owl post about the Wizarding World. So be sure to uh, stay tuned. Um, the world is still scary out there. It's even scarier in other parts of the world right now than some. And the best way we can get through it is to be excellent to each other. And nerd on, dudes. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>